Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Randy Character. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. What a day for St. Louis sports yesterday, huh? It was sensational. It was it was fun. It was drama. It was drama. We had the return of Albert Pujols officially making his way down to Jupiter, getting a standing ovation, not only from the crowd, but from, from his peers, <laughs> teammates. from his teammates as he entered the field in Jupiter. We had the Blues with a very impressive bounce back win and Vladimir Tarasenko netting his 500th point as a member of the Blues. Only the fifth guy in history to do it which is outrageous. That is fantastic for him. And we've got quite a show coming up for you. We're going to talk to Jason Isringhausen at the bottom of this hour. Darren Pang will join us at 845. We're also going to talk to Mike Claiborne uh, I guess Panger is at 8.30. So we've got an early edition of the fight. We've got a returning winner so you don't have to text in. So Panger let me start again. Izzy at 7.30, Panger at 8.30, Claves at 8.45, uh, former Cardinal Yanye, the Federalist, yes. who won a World Series with Albert Pujols in 2011. He'll join us at 9.15, and then Carlo Koliakovo, former Blues defenseman, now on TSN Radio in Toronto. He will join us coming up at 9.30. So a full day here on 101 ESPN, as Michelle mentioned. Albert Pujols with probably the most dramatic two-minute walk in the history of Cardinal baseball from the right field wagon gate, the door where the Cardinals walk in, all the way to the dugout. Afterward, the Cardinals held a press conference with the Mang, and he's excited to be back. Well, guys, I'm here. Excited, you know, uh, when everything went down yesterday, just uh, knowing that I was going to get in the plane and just get back with everything started for me here in Jupiter and, you know, wearing a Cardinal uniform again. Just uh, not only for this organization, this great organization, but for the best fans in baseball, you know, the Cardinals fans. So I'm just really excited and pumped up and looking forward, you know, uh, to try to help this ball club as much as I can. Our goal is to try to win championship like it's always been. I was here for 11 years. We got the opportunity to win two of those. And hopefully we have another opportunity this year to get another one. So really excited and looking forward to how do you not smile when you hear his voice? Mm-hmm. How do you not smile? You can hear the smile in his voice right. as he's talking. If you did see the video yesterday, Albert was just beaming from his toes through his eyeballs. He looks so happy to be there. And you know what, Randy? It feels familiar. It's like an old sweater that you find in the back of your closet. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I remember this from college. It's all worn in and cozy. We had some good times together. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw this bad boy on today and have a great day. That's Albert Pujols. And you know what else I noticed? Not only did he mention playing for the best fans in baseball, again, which you knew that was coming. I like how he says, our goal is to win a championship just like it's always been. Right. Just like it's always been. It's like he has fallen right back into what it means to be a Cardinal. Now, one of the questions, obviously, you're going to ask is, Albert, do you think you'd ever find that sweater? Well, there's always hope. So, (laughs) I mean, you never close the door. I don't think uh, the organization never closed the door on me, you know, and I didn't never close the door on the organization either, you know, I think uh, it's just a great opportunity, you know, and it just, uh, you know, everything is always happening, gas time, so this is the perfect time right now, and 
I'm back here. I'm really excited and uh, just getting ready to go. Michelle, I got a text last night from one uh, a friend of Albert's friends, uh, Jose Vizcaino, who is a mentor of Albert's. And Jose Vizcaino said that Albert was praying to return to St. Louis, quote, it's where this story must end. It is where this story must end. It feels right, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. it? We get romantic and nostalgic about baseball. What is more romantic and nostalgic than what we're dealing with oh, right man. now? Than Albert Pujols returning back to St. Louis. And listen to that clip we just heard, Randy. The birds are chirping. It's like nature <laughs> is alive. We are right. alive here right. in St. Louis because Albert is back. And there, make no mistake about it, this is the last dance. Yes, this is it for me. This this is my last run so uh you know i don't know i might get pumped up and play winter ball but this is this is probably the this is probably the last uniform that i will wear in the big leagues uh you know i think uh you know jody and adam you know i mean mo can tell you i mean those guys were facetiming you know pretty much every day they're like are you in the plane yeah waking me up jody wake me up at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> yesterday i like do he's like what are you doing i'm like uh at six o'clock i'm just waking up to try to go work out so i mean yeah those guys had a lot of big influence i mean we have great history together you know and we want to add more into our history you know uh, and just uh for us to do it uh hopefully we we can do it this year, you know, and raise that championship trophy and just be a, something that it'll be really special for us, you know. So and the memories that, that we have created and the memories that we're going to continue to create, you know, because we might hang this jersey tomorrow, whatever we done. But at the end of the day, it's the memory that you can take with you, you know, and the, and the friendship. Uh, and that's something that you can't just buy. I can just picture Yachty in a quiet moment in the Roger Dean Clubhouse at nine Eastern time. You know, I'll just, I'll just FaceTime Albert, not thinking about the fact that it's 6 o'clock on the West Coast where Albert is, and Albert picks up his phone at 6. Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I I was assuming it was 6 a.m. East Coast time because that's how excited Yachty probably is to have him yeah. back. Um, there was all the reports that Yachty was FaceTiming him in, in the clubhouse yesterday. But, or, excuse me, yeah, or yeah, yesterday, the day before, whatever day it was. All of this is running together now at this point, Randy, but... If Adam Wainwright and Yadier and Molina are championing, championing to bring Albert back, I'm sure that's something that the organization really took to heart. You have to do that if you're an organization that, and, and they do, they understand the history and they also need to trust their guys. When those guys have been around forever and they haven't made many mistakes, Waino and, and Yadi, in terms of advocating for players on this team, you listen to them. Yeah, I think the last one we at least heard of was Nolan Arenado sending mm-hmm. videos yeah, right. <laughs> to Adam Wainwright to send to John Mosellock. Uh But it seems like a lot of stuff is done over FaceTime, Randy, whether it's yeah. videos that are texted or FaceTime. It seems like these players, that's the way they're getting things done these days. Now, Oliver Marmol is going to be in charge of choosing when Albert Pujols should play, but he says Albert can make a big difference here. Um, over the last couple of days, I've had the opportunity to talk to Albert and um I've enjoyed every second of it. The only thing I wanted to mention was this this isn't just a story about Albert coming back to St. Louis. It's a story about him coming back to help us win a championship. His skill set and leadership is uh, is very hard to match. And what he's able to do on that field and in that clubhouse is remarkable. So we're really looking forward to this return. Yeah, 939 OPS against 
left-handers last year, and I thought it was notable during the press conference yesterday. Somebody asked him about being a DH. He said, well, I talked to David Ortiz and Edgar Martinez about it. So he's got some pretty good mentors in terms of learning how to be a DH and how to deal with not playing a position. Isn't that interesting that someone as great as Albert Pujol still has mentors? Yeah, it is. It's remarkable. But I love that. I love that he's always seeking counsel from other people and he's always learning. I remember Adam Wainwright told me that one time last season when I was asking him about Jay Happ and John Lester coming in saying, you know, these guys are also veteran guys. Is there anything that you can learn from them? And he's like, I learn from Jack Flaherty every day. He's like, I learn from the young guys every day. And I think that Albert Pujols probably has a similar mentality. Never quit learning. Your St. Louis Blues came away with a 4-1 victory over Vancouver last night at Enterprise Center. The Blues were able to... This doesn't happen very often. Score first. <laughs> Trying to go back door. It's loose in front. They score! Marco Scandella standing in the crease and on the goal line. Helped push it in, and the Blues have taken a 1-0 lead. 13-23 to go, period number one. And before the first period was out, there was a player that got the Karakrin Smallman bump again. Barbashev with Perron. Two on one. Perron shoots. He scores! David Perron is 23rd of the year. A two-on-one with Barbashev executed and scores. 5.58 to go in the first period. 2-0 Blues. Vladimir Tarasenko scored a pair, including an empty netter, and the Blues snapped a three-game home winless streak with a 4-1 victory. The out hit Vancouver 28-17. Coach Craig Berube on the importance of being physical. Well, it helps. That's for sure. You got to be physical. Like, I mean, this game. You know, when you're when you're physical and you're heavy, and you got you know you got good sticks and you're checking, and it's hard to play. It's hard to play against you. You know, that's that's we need to be more consistent at that. Isn't that what we wanted to see? Mm-hmm. That physicality. That that's St. Louis Blues hockey. Right. That's what we want to see consistently. What we saw out of this team last night. It was an incredible response. I don't want to be dramatic, Randy, but last night felt like a must-win game. It really did, to Blues. me too. Not only because they had dropped three or four and because they're fighting for a playoff spot, but just from a, a statement game for themselves that mm-hmm. we we know that there's talent in this room and that we can beat a, an opponent like Vancouver. So I really appreciate that they came out with that energy, that they came out flying to start the game. And it's hard to believe that Vladimir Tarasenko at, ever, at any point ever did not want to be here because he just mm-hmm. has been such a difference maker this season. He was a minus four against Carolina on Saturday night. Bounces back with two goals and an assist and plus three last night. Also had a couple of hits. Bujnevich, Barbara who didn't have any hits on Saturday, and Shen had four hits each. Colton Pranko was a plus two, so he keeps the plus uh, meter going. Much better performance, 4-1 by the, for the Blues over Vancouver. They'll be at Vancouver tomorrow night, 8 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. And it is time for us to hear about our favorite NBA player. Jason Tatum is one of the best players in the NBA. Tatum drives down and his city. Who do you got in the Super Bowl tonight? Oh, the St. Louis Rams. Oh, he can't let it go. The St. Louis Rams. It's time for the Jason Tatum Minute on Carriker and Smallman. And Michelle, the Celtics did play last night, but Tatum has a sore knee. He didn't play in the Celtics' 115-112 overtime loss to Toronto. Boston didn't have Tatum, Jalen Brown, right knee problem, Al Horford, who wasn't in there for personal reasons, or Rob Williams, who has a bad left knee. So they were down four starters. They still took Toronto to (laughs) overtime and lost by three. Yeah, they're an impressive team, but you knew with Jason Tatum out that we probably wouldn't be talking about a victory today. 
Because that's just so he, important he has. Right. If he were in there, they would have won. That yeah, game doesn't go to OT. Well, you guys can't overlook the factor that there's a Jeff City native playing on the Toronto Raptors and OG Onanobi. Just the Missouri bump. We can't, we can't get away from it. It's really remarkable how many great NBA products are out of the state of Missouri. Even though the state doesn't have an NBA team, we, we kind of dominate the NBA. Well, not dominate, but we have a lot of players. We do. Does Toronto, they don't have uh, McCaw anymore. He's not there anymore. Patrick McCaw? That's a good question. I don't know where he's jumping around to right now. So, But great CBC work. Uh, Caleb Love will be playing in the Final Four. By the way, last night, the women's Final Four, during breaks for the Blues, I was watching UConn and NC State, and I was just enamored. And UConn won it in double overtime, 91-87. And Michelle, it was just a, a really fun, entertaining, enthralling game. And there are things that draw you in, and uh, uh, Aaliyah Edwards for UConn, mm-hmm. who had the blues-colored hair, was fantastic, but she also played really well, and the game was really fun. It was really dramatic. I felt like everybody was very captivated by this game, which I love, and it's no surprise, though, that it's UConn that advances. Gino is just an absolute yeah. beast. 14 Final Fours in a row. Louisville beat Michigan 62-50. to 50. All right, there you have it. That is our open. We're off and running. Next up, what are we going to take out of what we saw from the Blues last night? Should we believe it? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jason Insringhausen will join us in about 12 minutes here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, the Blues, after their loss, a disastrous loss, 7-2 to the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday night, they said most of the right things, but they also said, and Braden Shen led the way, and I think he's kind of like the heart and soul of this team. Mm -hmm. He said, we need to fix it in the room, but we also don't know what the problem is. And last night they came out, they played hard at the beginning against a team that isn't as good as Carolina, but a team that also has played really well under Bruce Boudreaux and is battling for a playoff spot. Marco Scandella, of all people, got the Blues on the board first, and he was asked if he noticed a different vibe for the Blues in this one. Uh, we were better tonight, obviously. I mean, we got the win. So, um, you know, the past is the past. Uh, we just got to keep moving forward with, with how we're playing, how we played tonight in the third period of the previous game. And like I said, it's a huge road trip for us. I feel like our uh, our division is very tight. I feel like, the, you know, all the good teams are, are playing well right now, winning games. So we're going to have to stay on top of it. Uh, we just got to take one game at a time. And it is the Canucks, the Oilers, and the Flames. So what do the Blues need to do to build off this win against Vancouver? How do you build off of it? Um, you go in and you start hard again, and you do the right things, play the right way, and that's getting pucks deep. That's uh, not giving the other team easy easy breaks with odd man rushes. And when we're in sync, when we're in unison as a team, getting pucks deep, working them below the goal line, um, our skill comes out, and then guys make plays. So it's all about those those little things and not giving other teams easy chances against us. Michelle, I totally get being out of sync at times, and you're going to have nights like that. My problem with the Blues is that it's happened so consistently in this last, well, since the All-Star break, really. They really have not been able to put together a consistent run of games where you say, okay, they've got their game figured out. And for me, the inconsistencies are 
troubling because it seems like there are different subsects of the team that are trying to play different styles of hockey. And the Blues had spoken about that after the loss over the weekend. I know that Justin Falk said, we have to be committed to playing a hard way of hockey and not thinking we can score a bunch of goals. That's an overall thing that we need to clean up. It almost feels like one group of Blues players were trying to play one way and then another group of Blues players were trying to play another way and they were having a big disconnect out on the ice. And if you are a player like Jordan Cairo or like Robert Thomas and you do play more of a skilled game, I get how you can get into the habit of of playing more of an East-West, more of a flashy style. But those guys do have enough size that they can play a North-South. And unless this team does play a North-South style of game, they aren't going to succeed. And the one player that has really intrigued me, because he doesn't always play the North-South, but he he succeeds at a high level, it's Butchnevich, who's mm-hmm. been clearly the Blues' best player over the last couple of games. I also would think for those young players, they could look to these veteran guys who have won a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. playing a certain type of hockey and understand that everybody has to be pulling the rope the same way and there has to be 100% buy-in from everyone on your team in order for you to go out and be successful in the playoffs. You, you can't have that disconnect. You need to know, even if it, this isn't necessarily my style of play, if this is what's going to benefit my team the most, if this is what's required of me, this is the role that I'm going to play. One player, and I don't, I don't know if I, if we should give him a break or not. But you, you would hope that you get consistent buy-in and consistent performance from Vladimir Tarasenko, who, to his credit, did bounce back last night with the Blues' third goal. And before that, uh, before we tell you about that one, he got an empty netter. But this is the the Blues' third goal, a big one from Vladdy. Now Letty starting to lurch down. They come to Tarasenko. Wide open net. He scores. His first shot hit off a lock. Came right back to him. Vladimir followed through to put it in. Good start to the third period. 49 seconds in. 3-0 St. Louis. Tarasenko with 499 points as a blue. And he would get his 500th point later with an empty net goal. Craig Berube on the performance of number 91. You know, Vladdy's been Vladdy's played well. You know, he he's probably not happy with the number of goals he has because he's had a lot of opportunities. I mean, he gets a lot of good opportunities. And, you know, he was very good tonight. That line was very good. They were on pucks. They possessed pucks. They're heavy. Um, we a lot of our guys did it all night. You know, I think for two periods, I thought that uh, we really were good at possessing pucks and being hard offense and, you know, doing a good job. So, you know, we got to continue to do that. Unfair to ask for consistency out of Vladimir Tarasenko? I don't think it's unfair. He's one of the most talented players on your team. <laughs> he He's a star when he's right. We've seen Vladimir Tarasenko take over games before. I don't think that that's... Uh, too much of an expectation at all. I wouldn't think that asking for consistent effort and production out of ostensibly your best player, most talented player, I don't think that's unfair either. And I hope that he doesn't think that that's unfair, that he's being attacked when he doesn't play well and the Blues as a group don't play well because even though he's not the captain, even though he's not, like I said, Braden Chen is kind of the heart and soul, but from a talent standpoint, he's the bell cow. Everything's going to fall in place behind Vladimir Tarasenko if he's playing at his best. If he's playing at his best, he is the Blues' most gifted player. 
And we haven't seen that for the past couple of years because he's been injured. Right. And so to see him come back healthy and put together the performances that we've seen this season has been remarkable for Vladdy. It's crazy to me that in the offseason we were talking about him not being here because I can't imagine the state of the Blues without Vladimir Tarasenko this season. Things would not be good no. if Vladimir Tarasenko was here. Meanwhile, the Blues also finally, I shouldn't say finally, but fortunately got a good performance out of their goalie. Uh, terrific job last night by Ville Husso. Yeah, maybe, you know, like it's always, like I said, it's nice to get a win and then you go, you know, like as a goalie, you don't, I don't, I don't care if I let four goals and, you know, we still win, it's, it's a big thing and, uh, uh, but yeah, it was nice to get a win today and uh, um, we play against these guys in uh, uh, Vancouver, so it's going to be a big game there too. He was asked about whether or not he could get his confidence back from a game like that and hopefully he can. He had 35 saves, and that's after allowing those five goals on Saturday. But Randy, now in his last 14 starts, Huso's 8-3-3. And I think from um, a lot of different standpoints, the Blues needed this last night. But I would say my biggest takeaway was Ville Huso and his performance because we're not going to be talking about a deep playoff run if you can't have your goaltending that you can rely on. And he clearly, because he got the start last night after a bad performance on Saturday, he's the Blues guy. For 21-22, yeah. for the rest of the season in the playoffs, Ville Husso's the guy. Oh, he's definitely the guy. I would imagine in that situation last night, what we deemed to be pretty much a much uh, must-win game, and Ville Husso's the guy you call upon, he's going to be the guy. Now, the question is, can the Blues go on the road and succeed on this West Coast? The Canadian West Coast trip is one of the toughest that you're dealing with, and those teams are all in the playoff hunt. They're all playing reasonably well. So the Blues will have their hands full. Calgary at the moment leads their division, and they're going to win their division. They're a really good team. Edmonton is battling for a playoff spot, and Vancouver is battling for a playoff spot. So those are a couple of desperate teams that the Blues will be going against when all three are are either really good or really desperate, and the Blues will have those three for their next three on the road. I think every single game the Blues have until the end of the season is going to be critical for them. I mean, look at the standings. Yeah. They, could wa- they could wake up next week and be out of a playoff spot. I mean, at the end Mm -hmm. of the week, this is going to be a crazy race to the finish. Should be fun. And again, the Blues next game tomorrow night, they'll be at Vancouver. And you'll hear it here on 101 ESPN with Alex Ferrario's pregame at 8 o'clock. Coming up, Albert Pujols is back with the Cardinals and a guy who won a world championship with Albert in 2006. Jason Isringhausen, the native of Brighton, Illinois, joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Cardinal Hall of Famer Jason Isringhausen set to join us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. A quick story, first of all. Our entire building here is being renovated, and that includes the kitchen area with a new coffee machine. Yesterday, during one of the breaks, Brad Thompson and uh, Jamie Rivers went down the hall to grab some coffee, and they couldn't figure out how to dispense coffee from the new <laughs> coffee maker. So BT says, well, I'll just take the lid off of this big vat of coffee, and I'll try to pour it into Jamie Rivers' little cup here. And he starts pouring, and it gets all over Jamie's hand, oh and scalds Jamie's hand, and they get coffee coffee all over the brand new kitchen area here at 101 ESPN. And I wanted to tell that story now, and I wanted to let Jason Isringhausen hear it to ask him if he's at all surprised that that's something that Brad Thompson would do. Good morning, sir. How's it going? Good morning, guys. How are you? Everything's good. Isn't that quintessential BT? 
<laughs> it does seem like something he would try to. Uh, he's trying to use his engineering skills for that. It didn't work out so well. You know what, though? He's trying to help his teammate out. Jamie Jamie needs a boost. He needs some caffeine. Brad's like, I'll, I got you. I'll figure it out. Yeah, you put the two of them together, they might be dangerous. That's what I always try to tell. Right. Absolutely. Well, Izzy, of course, we wanted to have you join the show today to give your reaction to Albert Pujols returning to the Cardinals. Take us back to that moment when you first found out that the deal was official. How did you feel? Well, yeah, it's something that, you know, we'd all kind of hoped about, but you know, it didn't seem like it was going to happen. Um, we brought in some younger guys to uh, see what they could do, and it wasn't working out. And then um, I was actually out to dinner. I got home, and I picked up my phone and saw it. And, uh, you know, it just, just makes you smile. Just it, Like Danny Mack said yesterday on the, on the telecast, it just seems right seeing him back in the Cardinals red. Izzy, you have been a mentor before, and we, we've heard about what, what – Albert has become with the Angels and then last year with the Dodgers. Can you take us behind the scenes? How, how do you mentor and try to help young players like you did with that 06 bullpen? Uh, it's nothing more than just giving them things that you've learned throughout your career. I mean, Albert's been doing this a long time. He was At one time, he was the best right-handed hitter of our generation. And still, you know, he still is with uh, look at his stats and things, but... You know, he's got so much experience that some of these kids have no idea what's going on. And for him just to be able to sit in the cage during spring training or sit in the dugout or during the year and just talk to these kids, talk to, Der- you know, Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader, guys like that, that, you know, as soon as they see him walk in the clubhouse, you know, their eyes light up and they want to ask questions. And it's just going to be amazing for these kids to learn from somebody like Albert. I mean, they have their hitting coaches, but the hitting coaches have never done the things that Albert has done. So it's uh, it's going to be a plus, uh, you know. If he still crushes left-handed hit or left-handed pitching, that's going to be a plus for us. Uh, I think it's a win-win all the way around. And, and uh, we had Ned Coletti, the former Dodgers GM, on, and he said, "Hey, if Albert helps one guy get better, it's worth it." And sometimes it's just one thing. I always go back to you telling Adam Wainwright when he became a closer in 06 just to breathe. And that's something that Waino still talks about. It, it it can be really a simple thing that makes a player a lot better. Yeah, you just don't know what's uh what's going to make a guy click. You know, we you you have a lot of information and you know, it's the old saying, you throw enough stuff against the wall, something will stick. And uh you know, Albert's got so much information hitting-wise and um game plan, the way he plans uh, how to face a pitcher, uh, having him in the video room with a kid and, and watching how to tip pitches and pick and pick up pitches that guys are tipping. There's just so many things that Albert can teach these kids. And, you know, if they don't use him, then that's their fault. You know, um, like I always say, the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. So I'm sure, you know, there's going to be a lot of standing ovations this year, and, and I'm hopefully uh, – uh, Albert's going to get a ton of questions from these young kids. It's going to be great. Izzy, is there one player in particular that you think should just be a sponge to Albert Pujols? I'm sure everybody in that clubhouse can utilize some sort of information he has, but is there one player in particular that you think should really try to follow his lead and learn as much as possible? Uh, well, I'd like to see two. I'd like to see Harrison Bader, and I'd like to see Tyler Neal talk to him a lot. Um, just to see what they what he thinks about facing, hit, facing pitching. I mean, especially somebody like Tyler O'Neill. I mean, the the game plan that Tyler could have. I mean, Tyler is so talented. He can do so many things on the baseball field. But if we can get him mentally stronger, I mean, it just makes people that much better. And, um, you know, we talk about all the time about, you know, we work out our muscles. We work out 
our arms, but you know, when we start working on our brains from time to time, it, going to make us better and to, and to have Albert help them with that it's going to be great is he it's pretty amazing to think that you played on a world series team with Wainwright Molina and Pools in 2006 <laughs> and here they are still playing Thanks, Randy <laughs> <laughs> no you're the one that should be retired <laughs> yeah I know uh, it, it was great yesterday you know I, I was behind the clubhouse with Mr. DeWitt and Mo and Albert pulled in and I got to give him a big bear hug. And, uh, you know, we talked about our families and things like that. And, you know, it just seems right. And, uh, yeah, it's been a long time since uh, since we did those things together. And, uh, you know, for the three of them to still be playing, uh, it's it's pretty special. It's going to be a special year for the Cardinals. Uh going to be a lot of memories made this year. Let's just hope, uh, you know, at the end of the year where we, where we are where we want to be. Izzy, you're, you were there, as you just mentioned, and we saw the video of Albert arriving at the stadium. We saw him smiling from ear to ear. We saw the ovation from the crowd and from his teammates. But take us into that moment. What was the vibe shift like when Albert arrived? Well, it's, I don't know, it's like Christmas morning. You know, it's like a new <laughs> present you get to open up. Um, you know, but it's it's an oldie but a goodie. Um a guy that, that that came here, you know, came up here, did so many great things for the city of St. Louis, and and uh, we won a lot of games with Albert here. And you know, time time wounds heals a little bit, I would think. You know, I know things didn't end great here for Albert and everybody, but um, I think this will be a great storybook ending. And especially if uh, if he crushes left-handed pitching, it's going to be a really fun story to watch. And um, I'm looking forward to opening day to where I get to see Albert and those guys. Uh, it's, it's going to be a fun day for sure. And, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is is because in addition to being a great Cardinal and a Cardinal Hall of Famer, you grew up a Cardinal fan. So this is, I, I would think, as special for you as it is for us as fans. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, he shows up. or it, the, the scene that I saw yesterday, you know, I, I saw it on social media, him walking through the gate. Looked like a Clydesdale coming through the gate for <laughs> opening day, and uh, you know the waves, the smiles, the hugs, the high fives in the in the dugout. Uh, it's just uh, like Danny Mac said. Like I said, it, it just seems right. Uh, I'm glad it worked out for everybody, and uh, you know I think it. Like you said, if he can help one guy which I know we will, then everything's going to be worth it. Izzy, the organization always has pressure to win. The fans demand it, and this season is no different. But do you think having Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, and Albert Pujols together again, one last dance, that that raises the stakes at all? Well, I, I would think so, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, if, if it can, the way things are going these days, we could use uh, uh, some good news, some good stories. And uh, this is one of the best ones that I that I've been around for a long time, and um, to watch these three go out together, who's done so much for for the birds on the bat, it's just so special. And I, you know, I can I commend Mo and Mr. Dewitt for making it happen. And it's it's going to be a fun year at the ballpark. A lot of like I said, a lot of standing ovations, uh, but it's there's going to be a lot of hat tipping. It's going to be a fun year. Hey, Izzy, I want to ask you one off-Albert topic question, and I think Michelle has yeah. one, too. And you came up with those young guns in New York. It was you and Paul Wilson and, and Bill Pulsifer, and you dealt with injury problems in your first few years. And you had to be patient, and it finally worked out for you. If Jack Flaherty comes to Jason Indringhausen and says, hey, give me something mentally to help deal with this, what do you say? Well, we've, we've already had this talk, actually, Randy. Uh, you know, seeing Jack and seeing what he's going through, he's frustrated. I think everybody's frustrated. 
you know, you, you, it's one of those things where I try to tell him, you know, if you push this, it can turn into a three or four month thing instead of just a few week thing. And, um, you know, he's, he's on, he's, he's on that path to where he's getting up there with the years and the free agency and all this stuff. He wants to pitch, but you know, you just have to trust the process, have to trust the, uh, have to trust the doctors, what they're saying. And, uh, you know, follow the protocols, even though how good you feel. Um, but mainly, more, more importantly, I just tell you, trust the process. You know, the process is more important than the product at this point right now. And, you know, once we're getting back on the field, we want to keep you on the field. We don't want to have to deal with this off and on all year. Absolutely, Izzy. And then final one for me, since you are boots on the ground there, what do you think of the Cardinals starting pitching? Um, you know, I've been watching them a little bit here and there. I get to watch all the sides and stuff and the big leagues come out there. Um, I think they they look really great. I mean, yeah, we've had some bumps, you know, and, and some starts, but I don't I don't worry about that in spring training. Everybody's trying to work on something. Everybody's working on just fastballs one day or curveballs one day. Um, I, we got some new additions that are great. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, as we talk about every spring training, everybody's got to stay healthy. And you know, with Alex and Jack being down right now. Those are two big arms that we could be using. And, um, you know, like I said, if we can keep everybody healthy, there's new additions um, are going to be nice additions. And, um, you know, like we used to say, start from the back of the bullpen and build forward. And uh, Geos is looking really good, uh, uh, Gallegos. So it's um, looking forward to it. I'm just, like I said, I just wish everybody stay healthy. We got a text yesterday that I hadn't thought of, but you're going to be down on the field wearing your red jacket on opening day, and the MV3 is going to be there with your fellow Cardinal Hall of Famers, Edmonds, Roland, and now Albert Beck. Won't that be fun? It's like I said, opening day is going to be a fun time. I am, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, we got kind of ripped off the last couple of years with everything that's been going on, but it, you know, it's going to be well worth the wait to have a have the whole gang get, uh, back together. It's going to be a fun day. Izzy, you're the best. Thanks so much for taking some time with us. We appreciate it. Have a great time down there, and we will see you up here on April 7th. Yep, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Take care. That is Jason Isringhausen, former Cardinal Closer, Cardinal Hall of Famer on 101 ESPN. If you said at the beginning of the pandemic you're going to miss a home opener, it's, it's not going to be the same for, for really two seasons, but at the end of that, you're going to get an Albert Pujols return. Would you have believed it? I wouldn't have believed it. And by the way, I don't know that I would have traded for it. I don't know if I would have <laughs> traded for it either. But Izzy's right. We have had kind of a raw deal the past two seasons, even though people who were there last mm-hmm. year wasn't a full house. So to think that this year, not only is it going to be a packed Bush Stadium, but that you've got Wayno, you've got Yachty, you've got Albert. It's it's going to be nuts. It's going to mm-hmm. be like three home openers wrapped into one. Yep. And what a great asset the organization has in Jason Isringhausen working with their minor leaguers. He's such a great leader and he gets it. And like we said, he, he's been through the wars trying to get to success at the major league level like all of these kids are doing. And don't you love that he's a mentor to Jack Flaherty, yeah, that great. he's talking to him about trying not trying to push that injury and how to deal with things mentally because I can't imagine what that's like for a pitcher. I mean, I look at Alex Reyes and I think, how does this, how does this guy do that from a mental standpoint when you've had setback after setback after setback and you know that the physical skills are there, you know the talent is there, but you just have so many factors that are outside of your control. You have to be so mentally tough to be able to overcome that. And if you're 24, 25 five years old, you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'll just right. pitch through this. And it's good to have a, a mentor, like you said, like Jason Isringhausen. Good to have Izzy with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Michelle, I, and Matthew will bring you Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN.
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. It is time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker And Michelle, Take It or Leave It with the additions of Corey Dickerson and Albert Pujols and the addition of the DH. The Cardinals hit more home runs in 2022 than they did in 2021 when they had, obviously, the 234 home run hitters with Arenado and O'Neill, and then Goldie also hitting 30. I'm going to take that. I think they will, too. And I think Paul DeYoung will probably benefit if he takes the advice of Albert Pools. I, I would think that a guy that needs to relax a little bit at the plate will probably benefit if he uses the advice of Albert Pools. I loved what Izzy said, too, when I asked him if there was certain players that he would like to see follow Albert Pools around like a shadow or be a sponge for him. And he mentioned specifically Harrison Bader and mm-hmm. Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill's already a guy who has broken out a little bit and we expect a, a little bit more from this season. Imagine Albert Pujols teaching him what he sees in the mm-hmm. box and giving him a little bit more instruction. I think we could see monster things from Tyler O'Neill. By, by the way, I thought it was interesting. One of the uh, the biggest embraces when he got to the dugout yesterday that Albert had was with Jeff Albert. Mm-hmm. So Albert and Albert. There you go. <laughs> so... Brandy, a little NFL news coming down this morning. So I saw this on my timeline this, mo- this morning. Stephen Holder covers the Colts for The Athletic, and he has a new piece out where he speaks to their GM, Chris Ballard, about closing the book on the Carson Wentz experiment. And this is an interesting quote that popped out to me in this piece. The Colts also confirmed something that had been previously reported in recent weeks in this publication. They moved on from Wentz without having a replacement lined up, which means that despite improved numbers last season, he took better care of the football, Carson Wentz did, that the Colts were so done with him that they moved on from him without having a backup plan in place. Take it or leave it. Of course it's Washington that acquired this guy. <laughs> I will take that. Of course. That's a great Tioli. Of course it's the commanders that acquired Carson Wentz. The Colts, don't, they're like, well, we don't even care who it is. We don't even care who we end up with. We just don't want it to be you. And here's Washington saying, we'll take him. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. And then yesterday, Frank Reich at the owners' meetings, when they talked to the coaches, he said he still thinks that Wentz can be a top 10 quarterback. And Doug Peterson endorsed Wentz for Ron Rivera as well. I wonder if that coaching fraternity is is as tight as we think it is. Some saboteurs? Yeah, because, for example, if you are Doug Peterson or Frank Reich, and I I don't even know how the schedule works out next year, but if the AFC South is playing the NFC East, you got a couple of commander's games. Yeah, you're going to say, Ron Rivera, take him, and then say thank you. I just wonder what is going on there from from a locker room perspective, because clearly this is more than just on the field. It's really weird. And especially because Wentz was working with Colts receivers before they traded him. Yeah, it just there's there's something amiss here. I need more information. 
Because he's not a guy who's, it's not a Baker Mayfield type situation where he's firing yeah. off the, the tweets and is pretty demonstrative when he's unhappy. But there's all of these little stories that come out about him. And I just, I, I want more information, Randy. I want to know what's going on. We need to know what's going on. All right, your tech 65780. Here's Matthew Rocchio. NFL's not really big on giving us more information from the Washington <laughs> Commanders franchise right now. Uh, 307, take it or leave it. One or all of Wayno, Molina, or Albert will be an all-star this year. Oh, I'll take that. One of those guys? Absolutely. Take yeah, that gonna, to the bank. I'm going to take one of them. Probably Yachty. Yes, but since Albert says this is it, I wouldn't be surprised if he were an honorary member of the National League team. But Yachty already said this is it. Yeah, that's true. So maybe you do both. I would say that that would be a smart move on the part of the National League. I would think so. That's okay. As long as it's honorary and not that that those are the best Cardinal players getting into the All Star game, <laughs> that would be bad. Uh, take it or leave it. The Blues go on a hot streak, and two players end the year as a point per game scorer. I think that would take a lot of scoring from a couple players. Right now, you've got Kairou. Do we have another point a game guy? I. I'm going to leave it just because it had been so long since the Blues had a point-of-game player before last year. I think it had been since 02, 20 years. Right now, you've got Cairo at 62 in 61 games and Vladdy at a point-of-game, 58 in 58. And I, Thomas, isn't off, uh, Thomas is at 52 and 55. Okay. I'm still going to leave it. I'm going to leave that portion of it, but I'm going to take that they go on a hot streak, that they get hot for a moment. I like that. Because they need it. <laughs> yeah, they really do. And I'm I'm crossing my fingers, Randy, that they build off of that win last night and that we see a renewed sense of energy and consistency from this team. So I'm going to go ahead and take that. By the way, both the, uh, the Eagles and, of course, the Jags twice play against the... Uh, the Washington football team, or the Commanders, this coming season. We've got Commanders, we've got Guardians, we've got all sorts of new names this year. Yeah, it's confusing. Uh, from the 314, I like this one. Take it or leave it. I know we just talked about Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader with Jason Isringhausen, but take it or leave it. Paul DeYoung will benefit the most from Albert. I don't know if he'll benefit the most, but I'll take that he will benefit from having Albert benefit in that clubhouse. Greatly, yeah. I'll, I'll take that he benefits as well. I still think... And I, I agree with Izzy because Tyler O'Neill is a right-handed power hitter. I would think that there will be tips that Albert can provide him, mm-hmm. especially the way he's being pitched, that will benefit Tyler O'Neill more than anybody. From the 314, take it or leave it. Goldie is the DH for the home opener, and they start Albert at first. I'll leave it. Yeah, I'm going to leave that too. Yeah, that's uh, Goldie's going to – you start your gold glove first. <laughs> Yeah, it seems a little uh, seems a little risky there. Take your lead from the six three six. Mizzou beats Illinois in baseball at GCS Ballpark tonight. Sorry, Michelle. Leave it. Mizzou's <laughs> not going to beat Illinois at anything except for football all those years, which we forgot about because <laughs> it was so long ago. Well, those have been repressed, huh? <laughs> yeah, we forget all about that stretch of football that was absolutely dominated by Mizzou. But no, I was, leave it. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to take that emphatically <laughs> from the 314. Take it or leave it. Molina's holdout for personal reasons had more to do with the Cardinals signing Albert. Ooh, that's a good one. I'll, I'm going to take that. That's his his brother, and he wasn't going to report to yeah. camp until the, the ink was dry. Yeah. I like it. I'll take it. I'll take it, too. All right, let's get one more. 314, Wayno gets 200, and Pujols gets 700. 
I'm going to leave that. I'm taking it. I like the positivity. Michelle, I like the positivity. I'm taking it because I want to put it into the universe. It's a good thing. Um, I really want him to get to 700. I know it's going to be so difficult to do it. Just from a logistics standpoint, it makes no rational sense that he would be in that many positions to get it. But God, I want to see it so badly. Think about this. Over his career, he has just destroyed Pirates pitching. Let me get you the uh, numbers for Albert against the Pirates. And the Cardinals play their last six games against Pittsburgh. Okay. So maybe, just maybe, he goes into that last six games with three home runs necessary to get to 700 for his career. And the Cardinals decide to play him all of those games. In his career against the Pirates, Albert has hit 358 with a 444 on base, a 664 slug, and 1108 OPS. He has hit 50 homers with 153 RBIs in 795 career plate appearances against Pirates. So last six games, he needs three. Cardinals play him every game, and he hits 700 in the last game of the season. I love it. I knew you'd find a pathway there. I just did, yeah. Yeah, I knew you could do it. Let's see if he has... The batting average highest against any other team is the Pirates. OPS, he's got only a higher OPS against the Nationals. Home runs, uh, he's got 62 against Houston, 57 against the Cubs, and then 50 against the Pirates. So, yeah, I could absolutely see that happening. Couldn't you see him cranking out a few at, at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I could. Yeah, with just the emotion. Yeah, the renewed energy. Yep, absolutely. The crowd. I could absolutely see it. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And coming up, Albert's only going to have about a week to get ready. Why did the Cardinals wait till now to sign him? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You, a free wellness program available in the app today. It's 8.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's Carriker and Smallman. And, Michelle, the Cardinals waited until March 28th to sign Albert Pujols. He will have exactly a week of spring training games because the Cardinals will break camp a week from Wednesday and then have a workout here. I'm sorry, a week from today they'll break camp. Then they'll have a workout here next Wednesday. And people might be saying, well, why did you wait so long to sign Albert Pujols? And I, I believe there's a couple of things that go into it. Most importantly for the Cardinals is that they legitimately wanted to take a look at Juan Yepes. Mm-hmm. And I believe he was hurt. All the young players were hurt by the lockout and the inability to play 30 spring training games and have the two weeks before you started playing games. Yepes, after yesterday, and he had a big double yesterday, hitting 211 with four strikeouts in 19 at bats, 
he wasn't going to get enough at-bats for the Cardinals to be able to properly evaluate him as a right-handed DH. They're taking the known late over the unknown with Juan Yepes. I, I I believe they determined that Yepes just wasn't ready to be their right-handed designated hitter. I'll throw in Lars Newbar and Nolan Gorman as right. well. I think all three of those young guys the Cardinals wanted to get a look at. And yes, it was a truncated spring training, so they didn't get the amount of time that they normally would in spring training. But I think after they viewed those internal candidates, they didn't feel like any of them were really at the place where they needed to be in order for them to feel comfortable moving forward with them in that role. And Albert was out there. And I think from a baseball standpoint, it it makes a lot of sense, but I'm sure that this was always looming in the back of their minds from a business perspective as well. And from everything we've heard now in the wake of the Albert signing, this is where he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it was on the table for them for a while, or at least something that they were considering. And when Yepes, Nupar, and Gorman didn't really take the job and run with it, it made all the sense in the world for the Cardinals. And the other part of this is that there was interest at the outset of camp in Albert, Colorado. They go out and sign Brian, Baltimore, and their interest kind of faded and my guess would be that Albert was looking for a bigger role because he does want to get to seven home runs and probably looking for a little bit more money than two and a half million dollars everything had to fall in place from the Cardinals perspective and from Albert's perspective to allow this to occur it really did the stars had to align and I know you shared the text earlier in the show that one of Albert's friends had told you that he said the story has to end this way and it seems like he was holding out too for the Cardinals to be ready to make this move because other teams were interested and if this was just about him getting to 700 or or getting the most money he probably could have signed elsewhere but it just feels like he wanted to end his career here that he was waiting for this opportunity and he does and I thought it was interesting yesterday when he talked about uh, visiting with David Ortiz and Edgar Martinez about being a designated hitter. It's hard when you're one of the best players in the history of the game. It's got to be hard to change your role to strictly a specialist where you're probably going to get 150 at-bats. From an ego standpoint, he has a big ego for a reason. He's the best hitter that we will ever see. Correct. A big hitter's ego. I'm not saying that he's arrogant or anything like that, but he's got an athletic ego, which is a good thing. But it's also difficult to come to grips for any great athlete with the fact that they're older and they can't do what they used to do. All the great ones have to have that ego. That's what makes them great. They have to, when the pressure is on, be able to step in the box and say, no one's going to beat me. I mean, look at a Michael Jordan. He at, mm-hmm. at no right. point ever thought that anyone could ever beat him. He would laugh in people's faces when they would say, I'm going to beat you. And then he would dismantle them. That competitive ego and that self-assuredness is what makes so many of the greats in fact, great. And you're right. It probably is difficult for our pool holes to realize physically he's not the same player. But I think he's transitioned to this role pretty gracefully, um, all things considering. And he knows that there are a lot of different ways that he can help the Cardinals win games and win a championship. I think communication is really cute. You lay everything on the table, and that's what I'm sitting here today. You know, I mean, it's, you know, they, they, they knew that they can use me the way that they want to use me. And, and my job is to... Whenever I have the opportunity, you know, and the field, not just demonstrate myself that I can hold this ball club, but off the field and then end the dog out, you know, because at the end of the day, remember, I was a young player. So uh, a lot of people had a great impact, you know, in my career. So I want to make sure that I do the same thing and give back 
to these players. So I had a great year with the, uh, with the Dodgers last year. I had a great experience in that role, if you want to call it. But at the end of the day, I think it's just, it's just that, man. Focus on what we want to accomplish, and that's winning a championship. And that's our main goal. I love, A, having experience with the role, and then B, buying in. And he's bought in. I don't think yeah. there's any doubt about that. He's He would buy into that role much easier than Yachty would. Oh, of course. <laughs> but think about the position that he's in. He wanted to come back to the Cardinals, and to do that, there are certain stipulations. This is the role that you're going to be used in. This is what's going to be required of you. If you can accept that, okay, handshake. Let's do it. I don't think the Cardinals would have even considered this if Albert Pujols wasn't ready to take on the role that was expected of him. No, the, there's no doubt about it. And he really was deferential yesterday. He said, hey, Oliver Marmol's the manager. Whatever Mr. DeWitt and Mo say goes. I don't think in his career here, he didn't even have to be deferential to Tony La Russa. He, I remember a game against the White Sox. He had a, a strained oblique, and that was supposed to be a three- to four-week injury. And he went into Tony the day before he was set to come off the DL, and he said, I'm playing tomorrow. <laughs> and Tony said, okay, fine. And, and he put him in the lineup, and Albert did great. But he's not at that spot in his career anymore where he can dictate to the manager what's going to happen. I wonder how Albert accepting this role may impact Yachty and his playing time this year. Because they're very tight, right? Mm-hmm. And if Yachty wants to play all the time, which he does, and the Cardinals have other ideas, they want to deploy a, a different amount of playing time for him, and he's perhaps resistant to that. I wonder what it'll be like to have a voice like Albert Pujols in that clubhouse saying, hey, man, this is for your <laughs> own well-being. This is for the well-being of the team. We need you come playoff time, so we got to listen to what Ollie says. I wonder if that's a role that he'll slide into. And I think a lot of this will be dependent upon what the Cardinals think of Kisner, because they know that at this stage of his career, Albert is not going to be hitting right-handed pitching. And so there's not a lot of opportunities to play him on a regular basis. Whereas with Yachty, probably still your best catcher. Yes, definitely. (laughs) At least right now. Yeah. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, an early edition of The Fight with Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. On character and Smallman, you may remember Ryan. He beat Randy yesterday in the fight. Ran- oh, my pen just exploded as I was writing Ryan's name down. I must have uh, pushed down a little too hard because this thing just completely exploded. Wow, that was like uh, a sandlot. Michelle, I dare say you might be able to hit 73 home runs right Honestly. now in Major League Baseball. Okay, well... I, geez. Okay, so Ryan <laughs> was on the fight yesterday. He beat Randy, which means he's returning today for a chance to defend his title. And if he wins today, that means tomorrow he has a chance at the Hall of Fame. So, important fight today for Ryan, who's with us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Ryan. How are you? 
Good morning, Michelle. I'm doing good. Ready for uh, round two. Awesome. Well, good luck to you. Let's jump right in. Question number one for Ryan, our defending champ. What year did Albert Pujols win his first MVP award? Was it 2003, 2005, or 2007? 2003. Albert is the all-time grounded into double plays career leader with 413. He passed which player back in 2017 for that record? Was that Miguel Cabrera, Hank Aaron, or Cal Ripken Jr.? I believe it was Cal Ripken Jr. Ryan, last night, Vladimir Tarasenko scored his 500th career point as a blue, joining Bernie Federko, Brett Hall, Brian Sutter, and who else? Was it Gary Unger, Alex Steen, or Al McInnes? Gary Unger. And Jason Isringhausen is the Cardinals career save leader with 217, who is second on that list with 160 saves in a Cardinals uniform. Is that Bruce Suter, Todd Worrell, or Lee Smith? Okay. Ryan has completed the fight. Checking his score. Confirmed. I do not have a visual. Oh, we do not have a visual of Randy. Randy. He's I gone have, AWOL. I have no visual <laughs> we on Randy. No. And by the way, we you may have heard us talking okay. about this. They're doing <laughs> renovations and our He's running. He's trotting down the hall. They're doing <laughs> renovations here at our wonderful Hubbard abode. And they have changed out the lights in the hallway. It was a little dark, kind of a mood lighting before. Now we're talking 2 a.m. bar lights, bright as all get out. You can't stay here. You got to go home lights. (laughs) Right, exactly. Which is not great for those of us who arrive in the morning. Randy, what do you think of the light? I like them. You like it that bright? I like bright, yeah. Hmm. I like a natural light, but this is, it makes you squint, you know? It's like, oh my God, what? Did I have I ordered Domino's to go? It was so Can I dark. Get an Uber? <laughs> it was so dark for such a long time. I like the the bright. I just feel like when I walked down the hallway, I'm going to hear Eddie Money take me home tonight. You know, it's the last call take song. Me. I was down to BSing with uh, TMA with uh, with T Mac and, and Doug Vaughn. What's going on with TMA? How are those guys doing? They say it's the Iggy Show. The Iggy Show. Yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, Matthew agrees. <laughs> okay, well, uh, it's been the Ryan show for the, mm-hmm. the past day and a half because Randy, he beat you yesterday. You might remember him. He's uh, on the line. Say hello. Ryan, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Randy. Glad to play again. Are you ready? Ready. Question number one. Mm-hmm. What year did Albert Pujols win his first MVP award? That would have been the 2005 campaign. Uh had a great conversation w- with Albert right after he won that too about how disappointed he was that he that Bonds had won in 2004 it was the MVP MV3 year and he was the MVP but that's something that Albert really cares about Let's not forget Adrian Beltre finished second in 2004 as yeah, we learned right, a couple yeah. weeks ago uh, Albert is the all-time grounded into double plays career leader Get with it. 413 <laughs> passing which player back in 2017 Hmm. All time grounded into double plays. I'm going to take a shot here at Henry Aaron. Last night, Vladimir Tarasenko scored his 500th career point as a blue, joining Bernie Federko, Brett Hall, Brian Sutter, and who else? Federko. Uh. Well, who, who the other would be Gary Unger wasn't on that list, was he? So I'm going to go with Gary, G-A-R-R-Y, Unger. <laughs> Two R's. 
And Jason Isringhausen is the Cardinals career save leader with 217, who is second on that list with 160 saves in a Cardinals uniform. 160 saves in a Cardinal uniform, I believe that Todd Worrell was surpassed by Big Lee Smith. And let's see, anybody, Eck didn't do it. Dave Veers didn't do it. Mike Perez didn't do it. Tom Hengie certainly didn't do it. Uh, so let's see, 160, Bruce didn't do it. I believe it was Big Lee Smith. Epic fight today. Ryan beat you yesterday. Was he able to do it twice? One person got three, one person got two. Who's our winner? Is it Randy or is it Ryan? Matt, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Just win, baby. Notice the pattern here. What's that? After you lose, you come back with a vengeance with the drops. <laughs> Normally, we get a, at least one or two. <laughs> if you lose and then you reclaim your title, we get at least five or six. I'm not mad at it, but it is a pattern. Ryan, I'm so sorry. Great effort out of you today, but Randy did beat you three to two. Thank you very much. That music hurts a little bit more when it's directed at you. I know, right? It's all fun and games when you're driving around in your car. Not so fun when you're on the other end. You're right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing, Ryan. Have a great Tuesday. All right. You too. Albert Pujols. Hey, uh, well, okay. Okay. Get Randy. over it. <laughs> Can't wait to talk to Bob Costas next week. Looking forward to that. Get, looking forward to getting his thoughts on Albert's return. Mm, he'll love it. Get over it. That was not well received. No, it was not. <laughs> Bob and I had a little spat. <laughs> Wait, did you? We did, yeah. Hey, hey we're Frank, good, we're, how we're are good you? Now. You're, okay, can we're we good. dive into this for a second? Or do we have time to do this? Because So I, I had written a piece at 101ESPN.com about how he, he had said get over it, and I had written about how, hey, this is an emotional deal. This is an emotional investment that we have made by the way, he said get over it in regards to the Rams leaving. Right, exactly. For those who don't know what we're referencing. Yep. And, and did say that what Cronkie did St. Louis bad. But he, he did say get over it. And my, <laughs> my piece was, hey, we, we ain't going to get over it. We're, this, is, the, the, they, this is a shot across the bow of St. Louis. And it, it wasn't – he felt like it was a personal attack on him, and it really wasn't. It was just – an emotional response. And I said, hey, this is something that because we bought season tickets and because we were here every day, we really care about this, especially the way we were treated. And Bob's stance has always been that the Rams should have never left L.A. So we, we had a little disagreement over that, but we're good now. Wow. I can't imagine you two being at odds. So I get a call from Bob. I'm pulling into my driveway and I get a call from Bob fast lane days. He says, hey, Randy, want a guest today? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Love that. Are you so like, we, yes. We hashed it out, but we're good. Very good. Okay, well, let's run through our answers here. Glad to hear you two are doing well and that he's going to be on the show yeah. next week. Home opener, right? We're going to have him on next Thursday? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Put it in your calendars, people. So Albert Pujols won his first MVP award in 
2005. He is the all-time grounded to double play career leader with a 413, passing Cal Ripken Jr. Ooh, yeah, that makes sense. In 2017, Cal Ripken Jr. with 350. Last night, Vladimir Tarasenko scored his 500th career point as a Blue, joining Bernie Federko, Brett Hall, Brian Sutter, and Gary Unger. Quite the fraternity there. And Jason Jason Isringhausen is the Cardinals' career save leader with 217. And Lee Smith is second on that list with 160 saves in a Cardinals uniform. Randy, reclaiming the throne, congratulations. Thank you very much. And thanks to Ryan for joining us on 101 ESPN. Next up... Albert is back. What young players are going to benefit most from Albert being here? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by. Together Credit Union, here for St. Louis, here to help you achieve more with your money. If you can always learn and you can always look to pick up tips or you're learning to, you know, use your backside a little differently or there's always something to learn. And I think that that's what's fascinating about hitting is, is that, um, you know, they'll, they'll get a chance to just talk and sit around and talk the game and talk about different things. And, and, uh, and I think it... Uh, that I'm sure I am 100% sure that Nolan and, and uh, you know Paul DeYoung and, and all those guys that are right hand and, and the lefties too, but you know primarily those right hand hitters are, are ecstatic just to, just to talk about hitting and, and uh, you know the Albert's career uh, in and it itself it just gets guys excited to have somebody like that around. Former Cardinal Matt Holiday yesterday in the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman and Michelle. It is remarkable that we can have a new player, an old player, but a returning player come to town, and we're talking as much or more about his impact off the field as we are his impact on the field. And everybody we've heard, whether it's Ned Coletti or, or Matt or Jason Isringhausen this morning, they're talking about the, the off-field impact that Albert Pujols can have on this team. I think that's partially due to the role he's going to play on the field. He's not coming here to be a, a Richter scale shaker when it comes to the Cardinals. He's going to be used in, in very specific spots in order for him to succeed. But this is one of the greatest baseball players in the history of the game. In the history of the game, he's a singular figure in, in modern mm-hmm. baseball, or one of the singular figures in modern baseball. So, of course, he's a tremendous resource for any of the players on the team. And, Randy, we've been talking a lot about young players that might benefit from Albert Pujols and him mentoring young players. How about a guy like Nolan Arenado? This mm-hmm. is his favorite player. Nolan Arenado went out of his way last season to tell Albert Pujols through the media how much he appreciates him. He said, I hope you get this message. You're my favorite player. How excited do you think Nolan Arenado is to talk hitting with Albert Pujols? That's going to be an epic... It, it, when John Mozeliak talks about the extensive curriculum, high-level curriculum. Yes. Can you imagine listening to a hitting conversation between Albert Pujols and Nolan Arenado? No, you'd have to pry those two out of the cage. They're going right. to be there all night right. long. I, I can just imagine Nolan's intensity and passion for the mm-hmm. game, and here's his favorite player, someone that he's idolized there and is a resource for him. We know how hard this guy works anyway. I just imagine him peppering Albert with questions. I would not be surprised if we see those two joined at the hip a lot. One thing that bums me out a little bit is that Albert is taking the job of Juan Yepes because if there's one player that could benefit the most 
when you look at body type, when you look at swing, when you look at ability. Now, not, yeah, Yepes isn't in the same world in terms of ability as Albert, but when you just look at what appears to be approach. It seems like Albert could do a lot of teaching for a guy like Juan Yepes. Oh, absolutely. He'd be a perfect mentor for him. But part of the reason that Albert's here is because Juan Yepes wasn't ready. <laughs> right, he wasn't, wasn't at it. that spot. So it is it is one of those catch-22 type situations. But I'm sure that there will be time for him to be a student of Albert Pujols. And I, anytime any of those guys come up, I would make it a point to be his shadow. I would totally have the Memphis shuttle going among position players players. If you can fit them onto the 40-man, then do everything you can to get those guys to St. Louis and rotate them, whether it's Lars Newtbar or Yepes, rotate them in and out. Now, Michelle asked Jason Isringhausen about an hour ago who specifically he thought could benefit most from the presence of Albert Pujols on this team. Well, I'd like to see two. I'd like to see Harrison Bader and I'd like to see Tyler O'Neill talk to him a lot. Um, just to see what they what he thinks about facing hit, facing pitching. I mean, especially somebody like Tyler O'Neill. I mean, the the game plan that Tyler could have. I mean, Tyler is so talented; can do so many things on the baseball field. But if we can get him mentally stronger, I mean, it just makes people that much better. And um, you know, we talk about all the time about you know we work out our muscles, we work out our arms, but you know when we start working out our brains from time to time, it's going to make us better. And to, and to have Albert help them with that is going to be great. Sounds like a Mark McGuire type approach. Yes, it does. We've talked extensively with Big Mac about the mental approach to hitting, but I, I wonder how this is going to line up with the Jeff Jeff Albert philosophy. I'm very interested to see how this all coalesces, Randy, because we know that the Cardinals have not just doubled down, they have tripled down on the analytics yep. approach and on the Jeff Albert philosophy. That's why Mike Schilt is no longer here. Philosophical differences. Uh, Mark Budaska no longer here because they very much are committed to this offensive approach. And I'm not in any way suggesting that Albert Pujols is not all in on this. You, you mentioned yesterday you saw him give Jeff Albert a big hug when he Mm -hmm. arrived at the ballpark. Clearly, they are familiar with one another, and Albert is going to do whatever is required of him with the organization. He's here to be the ultimate team player. But I wonder if something that he's seeing maybe conflicts with something that they're teaching or something that the analytics bear out. Where does a player go with that? Or how does Albert Pujols then deploy that advice or deploy that information if it's maybe adverse to what is being uh, taught by the Cardinals organization. And what a hitting coach, what a manager, what an organization has to do is determine what works for a player. Because the technology and the analytics information that works for Harrison Bader might not work for Nolan Arenado. Everybody's going to be different. So you have to find out specifically what makes a player tick. And Jeff Albert speaking to... I'm just going to use Bader as an example here. What he says to Harrison Bader might be Greek. Greek, Bader might have no idea what Albert is trying to say, but Albert might be able to say it in a completely different way, but saying the exact same thing. You mean Jeff Albert, Albert Pujols. Exactly, right. (laughs) Lots of Alberts happening. Yeah, so ultimately... Everybody wants to hit the ball hard. Of course. And you can overload some people's minds. There's no doubt that that is the case. And Albert Pujols is a big advocate of video, and he does like technology. But sometimes you just have to simplify things. And that's why Turner Ward is here, too. He was Paul Goldschmidt's hitting coach in his golden days in 
uh, in Arizona. There have to be different approaches, and I do think the Cardinals have come to recognize that. Tyler O'Neill is the first name that I thought of that could really benefit from someone like Albert Pujols, Nolan Arenado, even though he doesn't need a whole lot Mm -hmm. of improving, was the second name I thought of. But as we continue talking about this, Randy, I keep circling back to Paul DeYoung, someone who's really trying to find themselves again, and he's done a lot of work this offseason to get back to form and to find his swing again. If I'm Paul DeYoung, I'm marching right up to Albert Pujols and I'm saying, tell me what you see in me. I want to use you as a resource. And sometimes, I know this sounds weird, you can be too smart for your own good. And I believe that's part of Paul DeYoung's problem. And one thing Albert always said is, hey, I trust my hands. Whether When my hands are fast, I'm fine. The worst thing you can do at the plate, Mike Shannon always said this, the worst thing you can do as a hitter, it's kind of like playing golf, is think. Mm-hmm. And if Paul DeYoung is up there thinking, then he's defeating himself before he even steps to the plate. So what he needs to do is clear his head and react to what's coming. And if he does that, and all the preparation that he needs to employ takes place before the first pitch is thrown, he'll be fine. Well, I have never been a professional baseball player, Randy, but it does seem conflicting to me that you would be deploying a high-level curriculum and then telling people not to think. It seems like if Mm -hmm. you're having a high-level curriculum that you're learning, it would require you to think a lot. But think uh, again, and we go back because we have so much faith in Mark McGuire. He had a high-level curriculum, but everything took place before the game. He said, hey, you should know everything before you get to the ballpark about that pitcher that you're going to face tonight. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have to go to the plate and think back to, okay, what's he going to do on a 2-1 pitch with two out and a runner at second base? That should automatically click into your brain. Muscle memory. You have to be reactive. Muscle memory and and mental memory. And I just don't think that you, you can put one foot out of the box, especially once we get to a pitch clock and say, okay, what does he do here on two and one with two out and a runner at second? (laughs) I think you just have to be prepared and ready to see the ball hit the ball. I'm very interested to see how this Albert Pujols, uh, I don't want to, we'll call it the reboot. The reboot Mm -hmm. is going to work out, but we keep talking about his mentorship abilities and how he's going to help players. And I can't wait to not only see that happen, but hear from other players. Because mm-hmm. you know that so many players are so jacked that he's here. They gave him a standing ovation when he arrived in Jupiter yesterday. And I know that we're going to hear some really fascinating stories from some players about ways that he's helped them. And bottom line, if he helped Mike Trout get to where Mike Trout is, and Mike Trout has said that Albert helped him significantly, there shouldn't be a player in the sport that Albert can't help. He helped the Dodgers, a championship team yep. fit loaded with talent. And we had Ned Coletti on the show talking about all of the great things that Albert did in that clubhouse and how he mentored guys. I imagine he's going to do the same thing here. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Actually, that is today's, yeah, that is today's Fresh Take, isn't it? Whatever it is. <laughs> today's big thing? Was that the big thing, Matthew? Today, that was today's big thing, yes. I'm a mess. Uh, Fresh Take was also Albert Pujols, though, so okay. good. We're, st- we're talking Pujols still. I got it. It's, you know it's day two, and, and St. Louis is still in a euphoric scene. How about it's a big Fresh Take? Oh, the big Fresh Take. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, coming up next on 101 ESPN, our sheet has been messed up because John Jay has a class today. Yeah, we're and, supposed to have John Jay. And he was supposed to join us at 9.15, so we have moved a lot of things around. So, I'm going to defer to producer Matthew Rocchio here to tell you what's coming up next on Character and Smallman. We'll be joined by Mike Claiborne, live from Jupiter. Um, 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
What a week for the Cardinals, and it's only Tuesday. Let's head down to Jupiter, where our friend Mike Claiborne of Claves Online and also of the Cardinals broadcast, the Cardinal Radio Network, joins us. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I am doing great. It's it's an off day here, and everybody's scattering, so uh, I have an appointment with a boat and some fish in a little while. I love that. Oh. So what do you like to catch down there? Whatever, whatever's on the hook. You know, this is the time for deep water. This is the time when you can really start to catch a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, mahi mahi. You get some grouper. You know, you'll get some sailfish down here as well. Um, and there's the old barracuda, and there's, you know, it's shark. It's mating season for sharks as well. So you you can. You can pull out just about anything out of the water these days. You know how to live life. I can tell you spent a lot of time with Mike Shannon, man. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a moment or two in our careers that have crossed. Yeah, it's happened. Well, Klaibs, other than boat life, anything else big going on in Jupiter? Yeah, you know what? Very slow week, Michelle. (laughs) Very slow week. Uh, I got to tell you, yesterday there was such a buzz around the ballpark and in the in the clubhouse that Albert was coming that I, I can't remember something like that here. I mean, you know, we've had some great players walk through the doors here, but it was never in this situation. Normally they were part of spring training at the beginning or something along that line. Never had we had a guy just walk in in that manner and all of a sudden, you know, life changed for everybody. And one of the things I'm I'm anxious to see is the clubhouse configuration because the way it's set up now um, you know when you first walk in there's Dylan Carlson and then there's Tommy Edmond and then in the corner there's Yachty and then two stalls down is Goldschmidt and then next to him is Arenado and then over across the hall or across the way is Adam Wainwright they're all the veterans kind of sit in this one corner and sprinkling in between them are some of the younger players like Bader he sits on that side with Goldschmidt and, and uh, Arenado so I'm wondering where Albert will sit because everybody's going to want to try and absorb as much knowledge as they can. So it'll be an interesting configuration. I'm looking forward to seeing tomorrow. Yeah, you'll have to let us know how that turns out. Um, Clebs, I want to stick with the clubhouse for a second because we saw the reaction from the fans. They gave Albert an ovation when he arrived at the stadium yesterday, but so did the players. And what are you hearing from some of the players about their excitement level that Albert Pujols is back with the Cardinals? I think for, you know, you have to remember there's only two guys in that clubhouse that were around when Albert was here, and that's Yanni and Wayno. So everything else the players know about Albert, they've only heard about. So I, I think the fact that because he is a legend, that they want to be uh, in a position where they can learn as much as they can because they've heard about how he was with the guys at L.A., with the Dodgers, and how helpful he was to them. And once you assume that role of giving back and just trying to mentor and and pass on the knowledge once you assume that it's a really smooth uh transition that you'll have with players because everybody wants to ask you questions and that and he made it very clear that's what he's here for to help and, and make players better and so that that's that's going to be something that we'll all look forward to taking in because when he was in st louis he wasn't in that position he was still very good now his skills have, have been reduced a little bit because of age and just wear and tear so he's trying to find a way to utilize his brain and, and make that an effective weapon for the Cardinals. Claves, the, the two instances that I can think of, and they really don't measure up to this, to bringing a legend home, 
on April 1st of 1987 when the Cardinals made the move for Tony Pena. And that made everybody think, yeah, they can win the division again. They can bounce back after that disastrous 86. And then we as fans, because we didn't see a lot of Jim Edmonds with the Angels, but in 2000, everybody in that, in that locker room knew when he walked through the door that it was going to be a different team. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point you make, Randy. Um, and, you know, you always feel like whoever comes in is going to make you better. And the reputation that, that those two players had was something that everybody felt like, well, we're better now. And, and mm-hmm. I think the same thing applies here. Uh, because, you know, Albert, first of all, he's in much better shape than what he was when we saw him last year, okay? That was my concern because I know you guys have had the question, hey, you know, should we bring Albert back? And my response was not if he looks like he did last year. Right. But that's not the case. You know, he's taking better care of himself. He mentioned the fact he's swinging the bat maybe three to five times a week and been working out, and it shows. So that that's something that says, well, wait a minute, we're getting a different version of, of maybe a guy that's closer to what we remember compared to what we recently saw. So with that being said, Klaibs, he looks a little better physically. How much do you think he has left in the tank? Good question, Michelle. Um I, I think it's one of those situations where he understands what a DH is. So this isn't something new to him. Um, he, he understands what teams are now trying to do to him as far as pitching. He's going to face a lot of lefties. He'll probably face left-handers. And I, I, I'm hoping that Quintana uh, with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates is their opening day starter, mm-hmm. but he's a lefty. If not, we're going to force – you know, we'll pass a rule that says you got to put him in the lineup. But I think Albert's going to face a lot of right-handed hitters, too, that he's had success against. So it's one of those situations where he, he can play, and I think they'll, they'll monitor his, his workload, but I don't think Albert's going to raise his hand and say, I need a blow. I want to play as much as I can and, and be effective. Claves, it seems like every team is going to have to treat April as an extension of spring training. You've been with teams, and you've seen a lot of teams. Here we are. This normally would be – we'd be – just a couple of days into games, three weeks into camp. Now we're almost done with camp. How does this team look? How sharp are they? I think defensively they're real sharp. Um, they are. They, this is a team, you know, when you win five gold gloves, it, it becomes contagious as far as, okay, how do we get there? And the way we get there is work, uh, preparation, and, and execution. And, you know, I, I thought that this is a pretty good camp as far as how they utilize their time and, going through the drills and, and talking and making sure everybody knew where, where they needed to be in certain situations. Um, so I like that element. You know, the offense is going to be a little bit behind because the pitchers have just a hair more of a head start on, on the season like they normally do. But I like what I see from different people. I think Bader has really had a, a good spring. Um, in my opinion, Mundo Sosa's had a heck of a spring. Now, I don't know if he's going to start a shortstop, but Mundo Sosa has played well. Nolan Arenado is starting to track balls better. Goldschmidt is, is, is playing well. So I don't see where there's a real uh, grave concern like there was last year. We walked out of spring training. We were like, well, who's going to swing from the left side? Matt Carpenter had two hits in the spring. Uh, Justin Williams wasn't much better. That doesn't apply because Corey Dickerson, although he has not gotten off like a house of fire, I, I think I've seen him take enough at bat to see where he understands what he needs to do in this situation of being a DH. So I'm not worried about him. Overall, I think we're going to be all right. I think the other thing that you have to take into account, you touched on the pitching. I think we're going to see a couple of combination starts. You may see 
Drew, Drew Verhagen and Jake Woodford take a start together. And you pitch four, I'll pitch three, and we'll let the bullpen figure the rest of it out. You, I think you're going to see that a little bit more, especially in the first month, because of the fact that you know these pitchers are not stretched out. Uh, speaking of stretching out, I talked to Jack Flaherty yesterday. He starts throwing on Thursday. Nice. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, the other guy who was impressive yesterday was uh, Jordan Hicks. You know, he didn't. He he was over ninety seven, I think, on multiple pitches. But in talking to him, he made the point. He said, "You know, I'm not going to try and be the strikeout guy. I'm going to pitch the contact." He said, "I think my fastball and my slider will will neutralize people." And he's throwing a changeup also. So that was a very positive sign yesterday. If Hicks can give you something along with Gallegos and a couple of those other guys in the bullpen, they'll be pretty solid. So you mentioned the pitchers by a nose are ahead of the hitters right now. Seems like Max Scherzer is like three bodies ahead of all the hitters. <laughs> yeah, he. you know what, Randy, he's already in 4th of July form. Okay? Unbelievable. I mean, he uh, he was dealing the other day. And, you know, he, he's such a different player. Uh, and, and when I first encountered him when he was in Washington, he was a star. He was pitching that day. And he's standing out there just shooting the breeze with guys. You know how the pitchers are, man. They come in. They don't want to talk to anybody. You know, they have their own little uh, quiet area. Scherzer's just like, hey, here we are. You know, how's everything going with you? And, I mean, he's just such a different guy when it comes to pitching that we, we just don't see guys like that, which makes him stand out, along with the fact he's really damn good. You have uh, videos up at Klabe's online. You've got a feature on Albert being back. You've got Ali Marmol pretty much every day. A lot of cool things, a lot of great content at Klabe's online right now. Having a whole lot of fun with it. And uh, also for our hockey fans out there, uh, Kevin Weeks, we had a great visit with him, and he had some interesting observations about the Blues and and, and Jordan Bennington especially. Uh, Weeks, he was a former goalie, had some very insightful points about him and the direction of the Blues. So I would suggest for all hockey fans, uh, check him out. Check out Kevin Weeks there. He's good. Catch a big one today. We want to see a picture. <laughs> well, you know what? If I don't catch one, I'll swing by the fish market and just take a picture of the one I bought. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Have a great day. Hey, I'll get a hook to it and show you that the hook's still in his mouth, and you know, we'll, we'll trick it up real good. That's awesome. Great. Have a great day, Claibs, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. You guys take care. See you, my man. That is Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. And check out his work at Claibs Online, and the Cardinals back in action tomorrow in every game on the Cardinal Radio Network. And Mike, of course, involved with those broadcasts with John Rooney and Rick Horton. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is time for... You're killing me, Smalls! Brady, let's talk a little Nick Castellanos. How about it? I love Nick. So you might remember when Tom Brenneman famously uttered a homophobic slur on a hot mic, Red's broadcaster, and as he was acknowledging it and apologizing for it, Nick Castellanos just kind of got in the way. Here, let's, let's revisit that for a second. I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, if I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. 
I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. I don't know. So that, that is one of the most iconic calls. Uh, it it's become quite a social media um I don't even uh, a meme. It's it's just become a big thing. Anytime anybody has an apology or something, they will throw in the Castellanos line. Okay, well let's fast forward to today. So the Phillies, where Nick Castellanos is now, is playing the Blue Jays on Sunday, and Blue Jays broadcaster Buck Martinez was talking about Blue Jays pitching coach Pete Walker getting arrested on Thursday for a DUI charge in Florida. Another very serious situation that was being addressed on the air. Another Nick Castellanos moment. Charlie Montoya and Pete Walker sitting on the bench, and Salcedo gets a strikeout. And of course, Pete Walker was unfortunately arrested early Friday morning for driving under the influence, and he made a statement apologizing for his actions. Obviously, a very significant situation. Charlie Montoya, his quote is: "He said the Blue Jays and I are aware of what happened, the incident involving Pete Walker, but we're." Still gathering information out of respect for the process. That's all we're going to say right now. And the Blue Jays, as an organization, have taken the same path. So, unfortunately, a very significant situation with Pete Walker, very highly respected pitching coach. But the Blue Jays and the organization are going to wait until all of the information is gathered. So, he is continuing to serve as the pitching coach. and. He's been here today watching these Blue Jays pitchers so far. Three pitchers today, and we're scheduled to see Thomas Hatz, Julian Merriweather, and maybe Anthony Castro throughout the course of this game. That looper, that's going to drop for a base hit. Castellanos reached out and poked it into right field. Now he picks up a two out base hit. <laughs> Death taxes Nick Castellanos getting a hit during a serious moment on air. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Go get him, Nick. That's pretty funny. And I love how during the entire discussion of the DUI, his tone was very even. And then uh, Nick Castellanos. <laughs> There's a base hit. <laughs> There's a base hit. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. So, Randy, you remember when Tom Brady announced that he was retiring and we did all of these great homages to the GOAT and all of his peers and his teammates were telling him how amazing he was, sending him gifts, things of that mm -hmm. nature. Well, He's back. So that was all for nothing. But Peyton Manning said that when Tom Brady retired, he sent him a handwritten note and a bottle of wine. He says he wants the letter and the wine back. I don't blame him. He should get that back. If if Brady's going to go back on his word, then Manning should be able to go back on his. Of course. But now I think Peyton Manning brings up a pretty good point. You said you were retiring. You got all of these gifts and all these accolades from everyone. When you actually do retire... I'm not coming back around with a second gift. I'm not coming back around with a set with a second letter. Even if you win another Super Bowl, even if you add to your legacy, you already got the words from me once. I'm on Team Peyton here. I am too. So am I. He's done what it needs to be done for Brady's retirement, and that was heartfelt. How can you be heartfelt again after what Brady has done? I don't think you can be heartfelt again because you're writing it saying, "Is he going to come back again?" He might. 
uh, he this may be a Brett Favre type Could situation. Be. We don't know. But also, is the sentiment really changing the second time no. around? He's still the greatest to ever do it. He's still the most accomplished to ever do it. And I don't think that we need to do this entire circus again when no. he actually does retire. I agree. But you know that there will be all of these things on TV. People people will probably need to fill some time. But for all of his friends, his probably former coaches and people who went out of their way to get him a gift and be one of the first people to send him something, they're probably like, man, why did I why did I do that? I should have waited. Maybe he just needs to fade off into the sunset when he retires. Is that possible, though, for Tom Brady? Well, he didn't have a press conference this time, right? But I think that's because he knew that he was done. It wasn't done. Yeah, he doesn't need to have a press conference. He can just, at some point, when there's a lot of other news going on, just turn out a one-word or two-word. I'm retired. Kind I'm of just, like Michael Jordan. I'm back, except right. I'm done. On TB12 logo letterhead. I'm done. Period. Yeah, I'm done. It just doesn't seem like he would do it that way. No, I think he likes to have his name in the news. Well. Well, let's go to our next story then. You're killing me, Small. There's one way he can keep his name in the news after he retires, and that's by going into the media. Mm-hmm. We know that there's been uh, quite the shuffle in the broadcast booths for the NFL this year. We know that Joe Buck was leaving Fox to go to ESPN. Obviously, Troy Aikman going with him. Al Michaels moving around. There's a lot of stuff happening. And Fox was looking at who to replace Joe and Troy for that number one broadcast booth. There was thought that Kevin Burkhart would be the man to replace Joe Buck. And according to Andrew Marchand, who's very plugged in. Mm-hmm. He said that they wanted to go after Tom Brady to be his partner. Fox did before he announced his decision to return to the NFL. I have to believe that if Troy Aikman got 18 and a half million a year and Romo's getting 18 million a year, Brady's at least 20 million a year to be an analyst, isn't he? If those guys are getting what they're getting and you need to prevent Tom Brady from going back to football, the offer had to be at least 20 million a year, maybe more, maybe 25. And take it or leave it, even if Tom Brady was paid $20 million a year, he would be underpaid for that position. I'm going to leave that. For the amount of eyeballs and conversation points that he would likely bring to the table, I think he might be underpaid. I don't know that uh, he's going to have to bring a lot of casual fans to the table that would ordinarily not watch a football game. I don't think, all due respect because we're broadcasters, I don't think broadcasters make much difference in terms of football ratings. I think it's all about the game. I go back to Tony Romo and when he first got in the booth and was a revelation and Mm -hmm. everybody was talking about the way that he would break down plays and predict things, Mm -hmm. the things that he was able to see. I know that I wanted to watch a Tony Romo game even if the matchup wasn't that great. And Tom Brady is funny. He's interesting. He's very plugged in. He's obviously one of the best to ever do it. I would watch a, a boring matchup if Tom Brady was in the booth. And clearly... You're correct here because these guys are getting the money. If they weren't worth the money, we know how media works. They wouldn't be paying the money if those people weren't getting them the money. There has to be a return on investment for companies like Disney and Paramount to make that sort of investment. So clearly, I'm wrong. Well, and I imagine there's a lot of other things that go with it. Commercials and and Mm -hmm. other things tying him to the Fox brand. I'm sure if that was something that he would want to do, it would be worth their while. I mean, when you think about $20 million based on all the money, the ad money that they're they're generating to know that Tom Brady is going to be in the booth. Yeah. And if you are paying $12 or $14 billion over 11 years for the rights, $20 million a year is kind of a drop in the bucket. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it's a bargain. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues.
blues hockey with blues analyst Darren Pang. Panger is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Vancouver Canucks last night. The Blues will be in the air today, and they'll take on the Canucks tomorrow at 9 o'clock and 8 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. And uh, we're going to talk to Darren Pang here in just a moment here on 101 ESPN. But, Michelle, this was a nice bounce back for the Blues. Now they need to keep this going. It's not something that they can just have a one and done with. No, this was a good response from the Blues. Uh, a strong win from them last night. A lot of positive things. Obviously, Vladimir Tarasenko's performance, getting his 500th point as a Blue. But my big takeaway, Randy, was that we saw consistency from this team. We saw them come out of the gate firing. And how about the performance from Ville Husso? I think the Blues really needed that. Ville Husso needed that. Yeah, he had allowed five goals or more in two of his last three games. Last night, he was terrific. And Darren Pang joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Of course, you see him on Bally Sports, and it's always good to talk to Panger. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Randy and Michelle, good morning. Uh, looks like the, uh, the, the roller coaster ride of emotions has settled down today for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we would hope so, but it could change tomorrow. It sure would be nice to see a, a level of consistency, wouldn't it? Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think everybody's looking for that. Uh, first and foremost, the guys in the locker room, uh, guys that hop over the boards and, and uh, you know, look at their line mates, look at the next line, look at the line after that, shift by shift, and, and get, you know, get into what, uh, what, what should be now playoff mode. And, uh, you know, I, I do agree with uh, Braden Shen a couple of days ago saying, like, you know, all these quotes are, are fine and everything, but, you know, meaningless and, until you step onto the ice and, and uh and come together as a team and do what you're supposed to do at this time of year. Because let's face it, guys, you, uh, Michelle and Randy, you guys know as well as I do, in any sport, you, there's just not a, a switch that says, okay, playoffs are tomorrow, let's just turn it back on. You, you have to have a, a firm 100% belief in what you're doing out there and believing in one another. And uh, and no one can, you know, you, you can't just get, get out of line and, and not pull on the rope. So um, it was really nice to see last night. It was a good response with a lot of pressure on the, on the boys, and they uh, they came up with a great game. Yeah, they did, Panger. What did you see from the Blues in last night's game that you would like to see them build off of as they move forward versus Vancouver tomorrow? Well, you you know, Michelle, in the in our open on on Valley Sports, I you know I didn't want to you know I didn't want to do some kind of great highlights and end end rushes. I you know I talked to our producer Tim Paps about it. I said we got we've got to show what they did well. At, against Carolina and what they did well against Carolina was the third period you know they they got the puck in certain areas they went in the trenches they won you know it's not okay it's, it's not the most glamorous hockey in the world but it, it wears down the opposition and and sure enough uh, you know right, right away Michelle the faceoff gets won and Preko fires the puck into a certain area in the offensive zone and 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 the forecheck got started so that's that's what I'd like to see is just consistency um you know I was talking to Barry Trotz, who's head coach of the Islanders, just a couple of days ago, and 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 he was talking about, you know, the like inexperienced players at this time of year. They don't know the the difference between puck possession and puck management, 
and and it's a it's a really good conversation. And managing the puck at certain times of the game might mean not trying to deke out a player, not trying to maybe slide the puck through his legs or, or make a, a kind of an iffy pass. It's 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 where you place the puck and where you get your next guy onto the ice to to, to go hunt that puck down. So that's what I would like to see. I'm, I'm sure that that's exactly what the players are talking about. I know that. You know, when you talk to the veteran players that have been there and won the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues, they that's what they talk about. So that's what I'd like to see as well, because that's what's going to make them successful. Panger, obviously sports is a different animal, and fortunately you played, so we can ask you the question. The Blues have won four times in their last 13 games. If we come in to our show and do, uh, if we provide a great effort four or five times out of 13, that's not going to be good enough for our bosses. If you, with your bosses, provide a great effort four or five times out of 13, that's not good enough for them. What happens? Because players know. What happens when a team goes through a run like this? Why do we not see consistent effort as often as we would like? You know that's a it's a really good question, and I know in in, in you know in the day that I that I played, which was too long ago now, um, but so many of us were on two way contracts, and there was that fear of of being sent down to the minors, as you guys well remember. Um, you know, you got a coach in the middle of the room, and you're basically threatened that if your game doesn't pick up, you're going down to whatever minor league city. For the Blues, it was you know Peoria or places like that, and and so. You know, now look at the cap system. Look at the players. There's there's hardly any extra players. It's it's very difficult to to, to make you know wholesale changes um, at this particular point. So that that threat of not being here is is not as common. Um, in saying all that, you know, the game before the game against Carolina, you know, Jordan Cairo only played a couple of minutes of that third period, um, and I think that is what a coach can control now. Is is if if, if you're you know, if you're not uh, not determined, but if you're not committed to playing that way, and you keep making the same mistakes over and over, then the the only thing a coach can do is put you on the bench. Um, but you know, when you're playing a big game, if that happens early in the game, and you know you decide you want to sit two two guys or three guys because they're not playing well, you might run out of juice by you're the time right. the game ends. So, you know, I I just think here, here's here's something that that probably needs to happen a little bit more. And it probably does happen inside the locker room that we don't know about. But I think it's the, it's the competitiveness from your own teammates. It's the demand from your own teammates. It's from a teammate not being afraid to say something to your, to your teammate. You're in the locker room. You want, you want to be on the same page. If someone's not pulling their weight, someone's not pulling the rope, then it is up to the players to, I think, to make those players accountable for that. Not always the coach. And I think when you get that inner competition or that inner disappointment from your teammate, I think that's when you pick up your, you know, pick up your pants a little bit and, and get going. Panger, who do you think that guy is in the dressing room that's not afraid to speak out and demand more of his teammates? Yeah, well, I, you know, I always have felt that Ryan O'Reilly is is a great leader, um, it, it, just in the quiet sense for him. He leads by example. I think that. Uh, you know, I think Braden Shen would be one of those players, and I think he's shown his leadership uh, all season long uh, with not only probably what he says and how he says it, uh, but then what he does and backs it up on the ice. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think the, the, that, you know, the, I'm not sure if there's a player in there that's going to, you know, go grab somebody, you know, by the scruff of the collar and, <laughs> and pick him up and say, let's get going. But, but I, I, I do think there's a group of players in that locker room 
um, that are better than most at, at saying it and, and uh, saying it the right way. And, you know, it might just be something little. It might be something like going over and tapping a guy in the shit pads and looking him in the eye and saying, hey, we need you, and we need more than what you're given. And that might be it, but that might be enough right there. Pinger, I want to ask you, too, about Vladimir Tarasenko. Two goals and an assist last night. That three-point game gave him 500 points in his NHL career, only the fifth blue to do so. And it's hard to believe that this offseason we were even having conversations about Vladimir Tarasenko not being here because not only has he contributed a lot to this team this year, but as you were speaking to him last night after the game, you could just tell how much he appreciates being back out on the ice and being healthy and able to perform. And as he mentioned, being able to get that moment last night at Enterprise Center in front of those Blues fans. Yeah, I mean, those, I think those are always special moments for players, and, and uh, that's what I'm talking about, the ebbs and flows, because, you know, last night was a really good night, and things, uh, I, I, I think, and I think he would say the same thing, that there was a lot of breaks that happened last night. I mean, you know, he gets an assist on the first goal that goes off of a stick, off of the shoulder, off of the knob of the goalie stick, comes right back and goes in the net. The goal that he scored, uh, besides the empty net goal, was going wide by, what, two or three feet, but it hits the goalie halak stick. It comes right back to him. I mean, so, you know, I think, I think too, you appreciate, you know, the bounces that you get in a game as well. But, the, you know, the fans have a, you know, they have a love affair with, with Vladdy, and you could tell last night. Um, it doesn't happen all the time. I think there's, there's, a, there's, there's something that they have that, that's special, and you hope that every single night that that effort's there and that the fans, uh, you know, the fans do appreciate it, but the players have to play hard for the fans to appreciate it, and that's what uh, I liked seeing about last night's game and the response that Vladdy got. Hey, Panger, before we let you go, we're going to have Carlo Koliakovo on next. And I've been in the business for a long time, and I always think about players and how they will adjust to broadcasting. And I've talked to people about your playing days, and guys in Chicago knew that you were going to be a broadcaster. And as far as the Blues are concerned, I don't know that I've ever run across a guy where I thought he's going to be a broadcaster more than Carlo Koliakovo. Yeah, yeah, and Coco's doing a really good job in Toronto. He's on a, I mean, a, seriously, a major network there at TSN, and um, and and it, you know what? I think he's he's just got a good personality, and he always did when he was here. Um, you know, you could always pull him aside and, and get a good explanation of the game and get a good feel for what's going on without him giving you, you know, the inside secrets. And, and you know, I, I've just I've always enjoyed it. In fact, at one point, uh, you know, I had many conversations to, to Carlo. Um, and so did Chris Kerber and everybody about maybe coming back here and uh, and starting his broadcast career back here in St. Louis. And I know with his friendship at that time with Alex Petrangelo, I think that was fairly close. But uh, anyway, he's doing a great job, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, obviously, having having Carlo and here as a as a player and being able to talk to him. And I still like seeing him, obviously, uh, around the circuit. Panger, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We'll talk to you next week. My pleasure. Have a great morning, guys. You too. That is Blues analyst Darren Pang. Of course, you can see him on Bally Sports broadcasts of St. Louis Blues Hockey tomorrow at Vancouver on 9 o'clock faceoff. As mentioned, Carlo Koliakovo joins us next with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN in St. Louis, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Former Blues defenseman Carlo Koliakovo does mornings now on TSN 1050 in Toronto, does great work there. And it's always a pleasure to have him on here in St. Louis. Carlo, good morning. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. We're, we're thrilled to have you. I want to start with this because we're here in St. Louis worried about the Blues making the playoffs. The Maple Leafs don't have to worry about that, but I look at the standings and whatever happens with the Maple Leafs the rest of the way, their first round playoff matchup is going to be epic, isn't it? They're going to have a great series, at least a great matchup either way. Yeah, they sure are. I mean, you talk about the gauntlet of what uh, the Eastern Conference and more importantly, the Atlantic Division represents where you've got four of the top teams in the league uh, that play the division. So it's going to be a a wild 17 plus games remaining here in the season in this division where you can see so much, uh, you know, change on a nightly basis in the standings and, um, you know, obviously positionally. And it really makes you wonder. I mean, for the most part all season, Toronto was always talking about either Tampa Bay or Florida as a potential first-round matchup. But, I mean, with Boston's resurgence lately, who have been playing some incredible hockey, now now you start to question whether that'll be a matchup or if they fall into a wild card and potentially play anybody in the in the Metro. So it's 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 pretty crazy to think that 17 games left, that final eight teams have been settled in the East where – the conversation is definitely different in the West, but um, I think the exciting part about that is there hasn't been any separation from teams uh, within the eight spots, so it'll create a, quite the exciting race down the stretch. Yeah, Carlo, let's stick with the West because it is really wild. It's the Colorado Avalanche, probably Calgary, and then it seems like every other spot could be up right. for grabs. It feels like every game from now on in the West is probably going to feel like a playoff game. Uh, you know, and to be honest with you, that's the way it should be, right? I mean, after the trade deadline, that's when – you know, all rosters are set and teams either make their playoff push um, or start looking towards next year. And I think you can, you know, you can easily say that there's probably, you know, five teams right now battling for, you know, the last two spots in the, in the wild card at least. And then you've still got some of your divisional uh, positioning that needs to get sorted out, which includes the Blues and um, that, and that's what creates exciting hockey. I think you're starting to see now, too. Like, there was a lull in the season there leading up to the, the trade deadline where you were seeing you know, a lot of lopsided scoring, a lot of goaltenders give up crazy goals. And, uh, you know, it's been a long season for these guys. But I think now, you know, you can see that there's been a, a buy-in to at least the teams that are complying and playing to the playoffs that the intensity has to rise. And, you know, for the Blues... Um, they got that message loud and clear for yesterday's victory because that was an important one for them. Do you see any other issues with the Blues? Because, Carlo, it's amazing how people thought when the Blues were healthy at the beginning of the season, they had underestimated them. Then they get healthy again, and they've only won four of their last 13. Do you see anything else other than the intensity that concerns you about this team? Um, well, to be honest with you, uh, I think Billy Huso has been a pleasant surprise with, for this team. Um, Jordan Bennington has been uh, a surprise the other way, um, you know, considering you know, what his resume represents and how much he's struggled this year. So I think the question marks in that have sort of maybe played um, to some of their inconsistencies because I believe they want to play Bennington. They just can't trust him right now. Um, you know, I think their approach to the trade deadline was that I know they were trying to go after a big name defenseman. I believe they're really in on Lindholm right until the end and settle for Nick Letty. So there's that uh, sort of um, grace period for him, you know, to get accustomed with the team. But it's been really surprising to see the struggle of this Blues team because on nights when they play their best, they look like they can compete and beat anybody in the league. And then 
you play some of the teams that you should beat, which more recently was you know the Philadelphia Flyers, and you, they look like a completely different team. And I think I, I can speak on the player perspective that at this time of the year, the easy games that you think may be on your schedule are the hardest games to play because those are those are the teams that have nothing to play for, right? And you know, sometimes I know just from experience at this time of year, those are the hardest games to play because you're not meeting, you know, with the same uh, intensity. Uh, you're probably going in there thinking it's going to be an easier game and maybe you're surprised by uh, the pushback or at least the, the, the competition that you're getting from some of these lower end teams. So that's something that they need to prioritize a little more because, you know, they play Washington the game after the deadline. They play a great game. Um, they couldn't get anything going on Saturday night against the, the Carolina Hurricanes, and the score was lopsided because they spent most of the game chasing it. And then they play a pretty flawless game against a team that's playing just as desperate as they are right now in Vancouver last night, and now I know they get them again tomorrow night. But I, I think, you know, there there is there shouldn't be, you know, too much sense of worry here. Yes, they've lost Krug for a bit, and he's a tough guy to replace, especially offensively on the, on the back line. But they've got – a good core of guys that uh, that are still part of that championship winning team. They need to they need to count on their leadership and they need to trust their structure. They're, they're, a lot of their success has come because of their structure, and you know I think that's what they need to prioritize here down the stretch is just believe in who they are, not get um, you know too um, uh, you know too out of whack with you know things that that don't go their way because. This is a marathon, not a sprint. You can't get too high on your highs, and you can't get too low on your lows. Former Blues defenseman Carlo Koliakovo of TSN 1050 in Toronto joining us on 101 ESPN. Carlo, as you know, when the Blues let Alex Petrangelo walk to Vegas, they thought that, and still think, that... Colton Pareko would ascend to number one status. They gave him the contract befitting a number one defenseman. How do you think he's doing? Um, well, I, I, I don't think he's been playing up to the expectation that's been given to him, especially in the absence of Petrangelo. But, you know, you, you, you kind of got to, you know, share some sympathy too. this guy's battled through some pretty significant injuries. Right. And so it's been taking a time, especially with the way that he's built, he's long, he's lengthy, um, you know, to, to, to find his form again. And the team needs him to find his form. I mean, any type of success that they, probably envision having has to involve him being a big part of it. And it's been a down year for him. And I think a part of, you know, the, the blues approach, at least what, what, what I was aware of was that they were trying to find somebody to help, you know, take on some of that pressure, some of that workload from him uh, at the deadline. And, you know, Nick, Led- Nick Letty is the guy that they settled with, and this is no shot at Nick Letty, but, um, you know, he's a guy that brings something different to a team. He brings experience. He, he can skate the puck really well. He's a good puck mover and stuff. But he, I don't think he's a guy you can count on to play the same, you know, uh, physical way that, that you're asking Colton Pareko to play with. So, look, I, I, it, replacing Alex Petrangelo on any team is, is a tough task just because of everything that, you know, he represents and everything he can bring uh, to your lineup. Um, you know, playing, you know, almost in, in every situation. So maybe in the short term, it's a tough ask from him, but it's definitely something that he needs to embrace uh, more fully in the long term and understand that, you know, this team is counting on him to play in, in bigger situations and to play better than he is. We had a long stretch with McInnes, 
Pronger, Petro, and Bo, we kind of got spoiled here in St. Louis. With <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, Carlo, another guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries is Vladimir Tarasenko. And, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be somebody that would even be wearing the blue sweater this year. I didn't know if physically we would ever see him be able to return to form. But he had two goals and assists last night. That three-point game gave him 500 points in his NHL career. You've obviously played with Vladdy. You know what he's like on the ice. It's pretty special for him to be able to reach that milestone last night. It, it, it sure is. And, and I know when Vladdy came into the league, uh, there was a lot of hype around him because of, you know, what he could potentially grow into. And that's a pure sniper, you know, a pure guy that you can lean, lean on to be, uh, you know, a game-changing type of player, which I think he has uh, definitely, you know, grown into uh, during his time in St. Louis and, you know, helping them win a Stanley Cup. And then it's amazing to see, you know, all the, the, the noise around, you know, his displeasure with the team and how, you know, he wanted out and wanted a fresh change and being exposed in the expansion draft and, you know, and, and how things come full circle. Now, you know, we're past the trade deadline and he's still here, a member of the Blues and a big part of the Blues. And it's nice to see that he accomplished an amazing milestone and it was only a matter of time before people, um, you know, uh, projected that he was going to reach this point, and I think he's still got a lot more to give. But, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that, um, you know, like you said, has been through a lot. And it, it's really, really tough to put yourself in the player's shoes or at least, you know, try to expect certain things out of players when you don't know really what they're dealing with personally or, on, you know, off the ice or even just physically. So it's nice to see him persevere through this, uh, bury the hatchet with whatever it was, that he was disgruntled with and, and really, you know, put an emphasis on being the best player that he can for the St. Louis Blues because, let's be honest, if, he, if he's the best player that, that he can be, it's the best addition you could possibly add at the trade deadline for this group that's already potent offensively, um, especially with the good mix that they have with, you know, veteran guys and, and, you know, younger players that are starting to come into their own. That's a great point, Carlo. Okay, one non-hockey question for you. So we just tweeted yeah. this as a, at our 101 ESPN account. You're a bit internet famous. There's that iconic gif of you where you're getting slammed up against the boards. Um, first of all, I want to know your reaction the first time you saw that. What did you think? I, I was shocked. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and not because of the play, just how the camera was in the perfect position <laughs> to capture my face being face-planted up against the boards and um, I, I remember the incident uh, so clearly that, you know, it was a game in Detroit, and uh, I'm not really sure how the game ended. I believe we lost that game. And we're in the dressing room afterwards, and I just, I'm just i getting my clothes on, and I see this group of players that's huddled on the other side of the room, and they're just giggling. And I'm like, what are these guys giggling about? Like, we just lost the game. And I walk by, and there's, you know, the, the, there's the, the stare out of the corner of the guy's eyes. It's like, oh, he's walking by. Like, let's let's try to hide. Let's let's not try to embarrass him and stuff. So I kind of knew something was up until I didn't really know what was up. And then when I got on the bus, guys showed me, and I'm like, oh my god, like I can't believe what just happened. Like, how did they, How did that camera catch me at the perfect spot? But clearly, it's something that has made me famous in my post career. So you just got to <laughs> embrace it and have fun with it. I love it. Well, I was going to ask Will Smith, obviously becoming quite the meme from the slap heard around the world at the Oscars. Do you have any advice for him about becoming internet famous? <laughs> uh, well, I became internet famous by accident. Um, he became internet famous on purpose, which is uh, tough advice to receive for me. But uh, man, you talk about an incident heard around the world. 
Uh, crazy to think that on national television we witnessed that type of scene with Will Smith involved. And I know he, he came out and, and issued a public apology, but uh, it really begs the question on what the future of, you know, face slapping or, uh, you know, standing up for yourself might lead into. But uh, the only advice I could give him is that embrace the, the memes that are going to be, you know, uh, he that he's going to be faced with in the future, because as you can tell, it's, becoming pretty, pretty popular and very viral. Carlo Koliakovo, great to hear your voice. Great to hear that advice. That's wonderful. And you're doing great work in the media. We're proud of you for that. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Always fun coming on with you guys. I appreciate the time. Take care. You too. Carlo Koliakova with us. And, of course, you can hear him. Just go to the website, TSN 1050 in Toronto. They do great work with hockey there. Next up, we're going to head down the stretch with What's on Tap. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle, the Cardinals have made a move to fit Albert Pools on the 40-man roster. Big right-hander, 6'9", 260-pound right-hander, Johan Quezada, has been designated for assignment. So the Cardinals starting to weed out some of those pitchers that are on the roster that probably will never be in St. Louis. You don't think that he could have been a star, Randy? No, I don't. (laughs) I do not. No, I'm not planning on it. (laughs) Well, neither are the Cardinals. (laughs) And it is great to have Albert Pujols back. And Michelle, probably the most successful return home for an athlete was LeBron James, right? I would think so, When he went back to Cleveland. And it brought to mind when he wrote the essay for Sports Illustrated upon his return to Cleveland, Frank Caliendo on Mike and Mike as Morgan Freeman doing the LeBron essay. That's where I walked. It's where I ran. It's where I cried. It's where I bled. It holds a special place in my heart. People there have seen me grow up. I sometimes feel like I'm their son. Their passion can be overwhelming, but it drives me. I want to give them hope when I can. I want to inspire them when I can. My relationship with Northeast Ohio is bigger than basketball. I didn't realize that four years ago. I do now. Remember when I was sitting up there at the Boys and Girls Club in 2010? I was thinking, this is really tough. I could feel it. I was leaving something I'd spent a long time creating. If I had to do it all over again, I'd obviously do things differently but I'd still have left. Miami, for me, has been almost like college for other kids. This past four years helped raise me into who I am. I became a better player and a better man. I never, every time I see it, and I've seen it a hundred times, I laugh. I think it's classic. So it's Frank Caliendo playing Morgan Freeman reading the LeBron letter. (laughs) Yeah. Does anybody do a better impersonation of anybody than he does of Morgan Freeman? No, he sounds exactly like Morgan Freeman. That was uncanny. Yeah. That's unreal. So, And that's Albert coming back. I, I became a man. <laughs> I didn't realize that 10 years ago. Our connection is deeper than baseball. Did that 10 years fly by for you? Randy, how has it been 10 years? It's unbelievable. It feels like last year that 
you guys broke on the Bernie show that he was signing with the Angels. I, I remember where I was. I was sitting in my driveway, listening, to, pulling into my driveway, listening to you guys on the radio break the story. And it really feels like it was last year. I will never forget that moment. I will never forget where I was. I was sitting right here in our show office. I was producing for Bernie at the time, as you mentioned. And we knew that a decision was coming, but... I, I didn't expect it to come when it did and the manner in which it did. And I saw a Buster only tweet, Albert Pujols to the Angels. And I said, no way, that's fake, fake, no way. And I kept refreshing. And it was, sure enough, the verified account. And Bernie was coming in and we had to scramble. And then he's speaking to Mo, about, you know, before the show to get as much information as possible. And we were just all kind of in a state of shock because we never thought that he would elect to leave. It just kind of felt like, yes, there's a lot of money at stake, but they just won the World Series. Mm-hmm. And it's Albert Pujols and it's the Cardinals. And he's going where? To the Angels? That's where he's choosing to leave? He's going to leave baseball heaven to go to the Angels? It just made no sense at all. It was it was a weird, weird day. The other unbelievable part of those 10 years is that he hasn't played in a winning playoff game. I know. And it's you brought this up yesterday, and Randy and I have been thinking a lot about it. He had to leave in order for the Cardinals to retain Adam Wainwright, mm-hmm. Yadier Molina. They wouldn't have Paul Goldschmidt. We wouldn't have seen half, maybe even less than half, of the success that we've seen this team have over the past 10 years. It would look vastly different if he never left. So for him to return now and... It, it, he, he almost had to leave in order for this team to be here. And it just it's crazy to think about what it would have looked like had he stayed and all of that money been tied up in one player. And it was a reaction yesterday. I don't think it was planned on his part when he said, when somebody asked if he ever thought he'd be back, he said, well, I never gave up hope. I, I don't think that that was rehearsed. I'm guessing that probably early on in his Angels career, he was thinking, I hope I get back to St. Louis someday. I, I I wonder when he thought that, but clearly he said, I never gave up hope that I would return to St. Louis. Yeah, he said, I never closed the door. Yeah. Um, I, I do wonder how early it was. I, I wonder if he was surprised by the backlash because it does seem like some of the comments that he made in the wake of leaving kind of indicated that, that he didn't expect there to mm-hmm. be so much hurt and anger from Cardinals fans. He, he knew what he meant to us, but I don't think he expected so many fans to be as heartbroken as they were, which echoes going back to the LeBron letter. If you're an athlete and you're a part of a community and you bring a lot of success there and you're the guy, you understand the magnitude that you have there. You understand the responsibility, especially somewhere like St. Louis. Albert got it. There was never a day that went by that I didn't think he understood what Cardinals baseball means to the people of this community. However, I don't think that you can ever really anticipate what it's going to be like when you leave. No. And when all of that adoration and love gets thrown out the window because people are hurt and they're angry and they're frustrated and they're sad, I I think that you assume that you're going to have some sort of goodwill built up. Look at all the great times we had together. This is a business decision. This has nothing to do with you. All those things can be true, but I don't think you can fully understand what it's going to be like to weather that storm until you go through it. And I wonder as he was going through that and he's he's in this new place, the fans aren't the same, the organization isn't the same, the success obviously isn't the same, how quickly he was like, man, I had it pretty good where I was. Yeah, and it's great 
that those three will be able to get back together. I know that most fans are excited about it. There are some people where I guess time will never heal those wounds and the heartbreak that you talk about, but I was one that was really upset when he left with him. But I'm thrilled that he's coming back, and I'm glad that he's going to end his career as a member of the Cardinals. Great job today by our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Michelle, this was fun. I'll see you on Hump Day. Hump Day, coming up tomorrow. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. T-Mac and Action Jackson. T-Mac and Ajax coming up. You like that? Tim and Boy. Tim and Boy, yeah. T-Mac, Ajax, Mac-Mac, Lobro. Tim and Boy is the best And, name. of course. Nadab. Thank you very much. I, uh, Toro, you have a pattern here, Randy. Toro. <laughs> They're all coming up on 101 ESPN. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.